Snow falls on an old apartment. Inside, the holiday season is in swing. On the first floor, cokes are poured and stories shared among friends. Three flights up, one generation passes down the family recipe to the next. Inside every home, there's magic. Coca-Cola. Real magic. Enjoy the real magic of the season with close friends, family, and refreshing Coca-Cola paired with all your holiday meals. Ladies and gentlemen, would you all please rise? Here is the D-Generation X band, led by lead singer Chris Warren, to perform the alternative new wave version of the themes America the Beautiful and our national anthem.
I tell you, I flash back to 1998, listening to that rendition of America the Beautiful. What the fuck was Vince McMahon thinking? I mean, you pay attention to the, today's day of performers who will perform the national anthem, America the Beautiful, whatever it is. And God help them if they deviate even a little bit. Now, you know some artists out there you know, that could really hit some high notes you know, they'll go into business for themselves. And instead of just singing the song like it's supposed to be sang, like they'll add an extra, instead of just fucking, you know, can you imagine if Chris Warren and, well, he can't do that now, he's dead. But can you imagine if the DX band or anybody tried to pull that shit today? My God, it's just unheard of. And I'll tell you the funny thing about it is Vince McMahon obviously was trying to get heel heat for DX at that time. You know, Degenerates, 1998, you know, you got to look at, go back to that era. But there was so much backlash at that time that it was never included on the VHS home video release. It was never included on DVD releases. It's not on the WWE Network. I can't tell you how many times over the years people have posted audio of that and WWE has taken it down immediately. It's funny. They won't put it on any of their commercial or digital releases, but then they claim copyright when someone plays it. Now, I will say this. You go around the net, you cannot find the DX performance of the national anthem from that wrestlemania i have it because up until i think 2001 i recorded every wrestling pay-per-view on vhs i still got all my tapes now the problem is is that they're all boxed up and a lot of them don't have labels so one day i will go through my videotapes I will pull out WrestleMania for that year. I will definitely digitize the national anthem of how they performed it. And maybe on next year's episode of this week in wrestling history for this week, maybe I'll put it on there. So unbelievable. And on the flip side of that, I mean, how cool was Run DMC for WrestleMania 5? I mean, any longtime listener, you know by now that I was a tremendous fan of Run DMC ever since they came out. Their first song, well, here, here, here we go in 1983. And when it first came out, they didn't even have an album yet. They were performing at the Funhouse and a few other places in the city. And that's how we got word of Run DMC. And then they came out with their first album and the rest is history. But it was really cool to have Run DMC perform at WrestleMania 5. And, you know, if anybody took notice at the quality of the audio that I played, I ran it through a lot of filters and tried to boost up the sound quality and the EQ. So I hope you enjoyed it. But with that said, let's open up this edition of uh, This Week in Wrestling History. I am Don Tony, as always. I want to thank you very much for listening. This week, we will cover the period of March 27th through April 2nd. Now, I'm going to just tell everyone right off the bat, there is a boatload of WrestleMania content to, to, to cover. I warned everyone last week when there was only two WrestleManias that fell into last week's time frame that this week there was going to be a plethora of WrestleManias. Now, what I decided to do, I have, I don't know, I would say probably about a dozen 
audio clips that will be added to this episode. You just heard two of them. And later on in the broadcast, I'll play the entire DX rendition of America the Beautiful. But what I did with the audio clips this time around is I did not really focus on WrestleMania matches. I really didn't. I mean, there might be one out of all the audio clips. And the reason why I did that is when you hear me uh, recap or just go into match results of the WrestleManias that fall into this past week in wrestling history, if I start playing audio highlights of one match, then you got to play audio highlights of another match. And there are so many freaking matches to choose from. And then if you put Hogan, then you got to put Savage. Then you got to put Warrior. Then you got to put Undertaker. Then you got to put Shawn Michaels. Then you got to put Ric Flair. And it's never ending. This will be an eight-hour broadcast. So what I decided to do was put some audio clips on here that may not be the usual there are some night after WrestleManias. We do have, obviously, a retirement speech or two included as well. But I think you will enjoy this tremendously. And I just want to let everyone know, um, So, as far as this episode, yes, there's going to be a lot of WrestleMania included. But I went out of my way to make sure that we cover a boatload of history that had nothing to do with WrestleMania. Because wrestling is more than just WrestleMania. Yes, this week is a big deal, but still, there's a lot of other things that went down I thought deserved acknowledgement. So with that said, let's get right into it. And one last thing, when I do get into WrestleManias, I'm pretty much going to just give you the match results, maybe a tidbit or two included in with it, but you know, we're not going to do match-by-match event reviews and stuff like that. Again, it's going to end up being an eight-hour broadcast. We're just looking back at wrestling history for this week. And I open up with 1973. Andre the Giant makes his Madison Square Garden debut. He defeated Buddy Wolf. And believe it or not, there is some footage of this online. I wonder how much early footage will be included on the Andre the Giant HBO documentary that, that is completed um, and I've said it on Breakfast with Blasi not too long ago. Andre the Giant was so underrated early in his career. You watch footage of Andre, especially in the early 70s, and there's a lot of it online. You will see him perform wrestling moves that wrestlers today use as finishers. And you will see him so agile. I mean, obviously, he's not as heavy as he was in latter years, but man, Andre the Giant, you watch him from back then, it was, he was so goddamn impressive. So, you know, I think a lot of people out there always remember Andre from like WrestleMania 1 onward, where he was pretty much at the end of his career and really not mobile, but they really don't pay attention to a lot of his work because he wrestled much longer than just uh, the 80s. And uh, so, but there you go. Go check it out. 1979. WWF has a name change. Up until 1979, they were always known as the WWWF, which stands for World Wide Wrestling Federation. 1979, they removed WIDE from their name, and they were now simply called World Wrestling Federation. WWF. There you go. 1984, Assassin Number 2. 
lost a hair versus mask match against Jimmy Valiant at uh, NWA, um, Jim Crockett Promotions. And this happened in South Carolina, I believe. Now, who was assassin number two, you may ask? Hercules. You remember him, WWF, Hercules Hernandez. Now, the reason why I mention this one uh, hair versus mask match, he uh, had a mask. Obviously, he didn't lose his hair. And the reason why I say obviously is because for those that are curious, um, Hercules lost his mask as assassin number two six times over uh, the March-April time frame for NWA. They would go to different house shows and he would lose a match, unmask. Then he would go to the next house show, lose the mask, unmask. Then he'd go to another house show, lose the mask, unmask. So Hercules lost his mask March 17th, March 24th, March 27th, April 2nd, April 8th, April 15th. There you go. Now we get to the first WrestleMania that we cover this week. And obviously that is WrestleMania 1. 1985, Obviously, the historical aspect of it is monumental. WWE has come out with the DVD, The History of WrestleMania, where they talk about the origins and how it was funded and financed. There is a lot of footage out there that you could go search out. Um, I, To this day, I've brought it up so many times on my shows. I still remember the next day because we got the daily news always delivered to our house. We had a paper boy. And the next day, the Daily News was delivered to our house. And on the front of it was um, Roddy Piper on the shoulders of Mr. T, right as Mr. T was doing the airplane spin. So WWF and WrestleMania was on the front cover of the Daily News. Now, these days, wrestling can be on the front cover for a lot (laughs) you know, uh, less of a of a good reason, or it could be controversy, it could be a death, whatever it is. But back then, to see wrestling on the front page of the Daily News, it was fucking awesome. But anyway, your match results. Tito Santana over the Executioner. King Kong Bundy over SD Jones, and I believe that match only went nine seconds. It's a little controversy because didn't Kane win the ECW title in 10 seconds? And I know a lot of people say, oh, it's the shortest match in WrestleMania history. I think that is technically the shortest match as far as the title change goes. Um, I know people always remember Daniel Bryan and Sheamus going a very short amount of time, but still this was a record at the time. Ricky Steamboat over Matt Bourne. Brutus Beefcake with Johnny Valiant. Um, versus David Sammartino with Bruno in his corner and in a, in a double DQ. Junkyard Dog over Greg Valentine. Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov defeated the U.S. Express, who was Barry Wonderman, Mike Rotundo. Andre versus Big John Studd. He uh, defeated Big John Studd, and this was the Body Slam Challenge, $15,000, and a little stipulation I think a lot of people forget. If Andre would have lost this match, he would have been forced to retire. So uh, a little stipulation I think a lot of people seem to forget. Wendy Richter uh, with Cindy Lauper in a corner defeated Leilani Kai with the fabulous Mula in her corner. And the main event, obviously, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T with Jimmy Snooker in their corner defeated Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper with Bob Orton in their corner. We have Muhammad Ali and Pat Patterson as special guest referees. Obviously, my favorite manager of all time in baseball, Billy Martin, did the announcing, and we had Liberace there, and obviously, the rest is history. So there you go. This week 
1985, first ever WrestleMania takes place. Huge success. I do remember going to school and all of us talking about it. Absolutely. Now we uh, jump on over to WrestleMania 3. Pontiac Silverdome, 93,173 fans. I mean, a massive, massive WrestleMania. You know, I know uh, people look at the work rate of wrestlers these days much more than they did back in the day. And I've talked in the past of doing early podcasts with very young people who were, you know, wrestling fans and just shitting all over the performance of Andre the Giant, not recognizing how long he he wrestled in his career, the health that he was in. But still, everybody... Not everybody, but a, but a decent number of people out there think that Hogan, I'm mean, excuse me, Macho Man versus Steamboat was the number one reason why they drew ninety three thousand people at for WrestleMania three, and at that time, Macho Man versus Steamboat was a pretty big deal. But I think a lot of people forget about all the matches that Savage and Steamboat had before WrestleMania. I think a lot of people forget the little comedic aspect of, of George the Animal Steel and his crush on Miss Elizabeth. So, yeah, there was attention to this match, but it wasn't the massive amount of attention that people think. I remember growing up as a kid as a wrestling fan, and I remember all the hype leading into WrestleMania three. And as far as me... At that time, and my friends and everybody that was around me, Hogan versus Andre was the match that we were all glued to and wanted to see. And, um, you know, the rest is history. Anyway, match results. Can-Am Connection, Rick Martell and Tom Zink over Bob Orton in the Magnificent Morocco. Billy Jack Haynes versus Hercules ended in a double countout. The Haiti Kid, Hillbilly Jim, and Little Beaver over King Kong Bundy, Little uh, Little Tokyo, and Lord Littlebrook by disqualification. Holly Race with Bobby Heenan and the Fabulous Mullet defeated the Junkyard Dog, and that was a stipulation where the loser must bow to the winner. The Dream Team of Brutus Beefcake and Greg Hammond Valentine with Dino Bravo and Johnny Valiant defeated the Rougeos. Roddy Piper defeated Adrian Adonis in a hair versus hair match. And you remember at that time, they were hyping up that Roddy Piper was going to be leaving WWF. Obviously, he would leave a couple of years, you know, do Hollywood. They Live, obviously, was a phenomenal movie. One of my favorite pop culture movies of all time. Dangerous Danny Davis and the Heart Foundation uh, defeated the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana. Butch Reed over Coco Beware. Ricky Steamboat defeated Macho Man Randy Savage for the Intercontinental title. Honky Tonk Man over Jake the Snake Roberts. Alice Cooper was in Jake Roberts' corner. Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov defeated the Killer Bees by DQ. And in the main event, Hulk Hogan over Andre the Giant to retain the heavyweight title. So there you go. 1988, WrestleMania 4, Trump Plaza Hotel in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Now, at that time, Donald Trump, who had Trump Plaza, uh, hosted WrestleMania 4 and WrestleMania 5. Little audio clip coming up momentarily for, for those that just are enamored with our President Trump. But, um, in fact, there is a Netflix documentary that is going on right now, uh, chronologically, 
Donald Trump's rise and, you know, how he became president. I already saw the first four episodes of it. <clears throat> I thought it was decent. I think that some points it felt like more of a hit job than anything else, but it's been for the most part fair. There are a few things that were left out of the documentary that obviously we're not going to get into over here. I'll do that on an episode of blah, blah, blah. But still, I thought it was pretty good. And they do mention um, WrestleMania 5, and they actually do not only have a little interview segment with Trump from WrestleMania 5, but they were talking a little bit about Jesse Ventura because obviously he would go on to win the governorship in Minnesota. Anyway, let's get into match results now. Before I get into anything, let me explain what WrestleMania 4, as far as the matches were about. Anybody that follows on a weekly basis this week in wrestling history, remember not too long ago, Andre the Giant defeated Hulk Hogan, Saturday night's main event, and then Andre proceeded to give the belt to Ted DiBiase. Ted DiBiase held it for about a week. Then you had the uh, president, Jack Tunney, strip Ted DiBiase of the title, and they decided there was going to be a tournament at WrestleMania 4 to determine the heavyweight champion. Now, before I get into the tournament matches, let me give you some other match results that took place at WrestleMania 4. First, in a battle royal, you have Bad News Brown winning it, eliminating Bret Hart at the end, and if I remember correctly, Bret Hart felt he was screwed by Bad News Brown. Bret Hart's always feeling screwed. He uh, destroyed the trophy that Bad News Brown won for this battle royal. Singles match, Ultimate Warrior over Hercules uh, for the Intercontinental Championship. Brutus Beefcake over the Honky Tonk Man by disqualification. Six-man tag team match, the Islanders and Bobby Heenan over the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware. Tag team match for the tag titles, Demolition defeated Strike Force. And now on to your tournament. First round, you had Hacksaw Jim Duggan lose to Ted DiBiase. Magnificent Morocco defeating Dino Bravo by DQ. Greg DeHammer Valentine over Ricky Steamboat. Butch Reed loses to Macho Man Randy Savage. One Man Gang over Bam Bam Bigelow. And Jake the Snake Roberts, along with Ravishing Rick Rude, went to a 15-minute draw. Now, as a result of that draw, both men were eliminated from the quarterfinals, which means one man gang got a bye. He had no one to face. So your other quarterfinals matches, Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant went to a double disqualification. And I remember that in a few moments. Ted DiBiase over Magnificent Morocco. And in the other bracket, Randy Savage over Greg Valentine. And as I said, one man gang had a bye. So as a result, in the semifinals, Randy Savage over the one-man gang. And because Hogan and Andre both were disqualified, Ted DiBiase had no opponent. So he went on to the finals as a result of a bye. So in the finals, you had Macho Man Randy Savage defeating Ted DiBiase. He is your new WWF champion. Very good tournament. Obviously, when you have a lot of matches and tournaments, you will get the double DQs, double countouts, very, very quick 30-second match. I know I've talked about it many times on the show in the past, but this just reminds me of 1985. WWF had that event, the Wrestling Classic. There was 15 freaking matches on that card, and they didn't have four-hour events at that time. 
And it, it's just, I don't have all the results in front of me or the times of the matches, but only thing I remember was the number of matches that ended in less than five minutes. It, up until the end of the event, I didn't did not like it at all. But when you have big time tournaments and you have to fit in in a shorter amount of time, I mean, obviously you get some clusterfuck finishes. But still, I don't think anybody bitched about WrestleMania four. Pretty much. Now the same night, NWA had wrestling on TV as well, Class of the Champions, and it was a pretty damn good event. It aired for free on TBS, and this was NWA sticking it to WWF because of the previous issues they had with some venues and events. We've talked about it on previous episodes of This Week in Wrestling History. So anyway, here are some of the match results from Class of the Champions, and uh, obviously one of the greatest matches at that time, Ric Flair and Sting fought to a 45-minute Time limit draw. J.J. Dillon was suspended above the ring inside the cage. Barry Windham and Lex Luger over Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard to win the tag titles. Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors over Ivan Koloff and the Powers of Pain. Midnight Express over the Fanatics. Uh, Mike Rotunda over Jimmy Garvin in a college rules match. So pretty loaded that night. Now, honestly, I watched WrestleMania 4, not going to lie. But looking back on it, you know, it's a toss-up. Which one, if you were forced to only watch one and can never watch the other, you know, there's good argument on both sides. So there you go. Now, 1989, WrestleMania five. as I mentioned earlier, this is the second event in a row where that took place at Trump Plaza. And for everyone out there, they... Uh, is just enamored and absolutely loves our President Trump. Little audio clip from that night. Dean, I'm uh, joining Donald J. Trump, the illustrious Donald Trump. And uh, Mr. Trump, this is the second WrestleMania you have hosted in a row. Can you give us some idea what an event of this magnitude means not only to Atlantic City, but to the Trump Organization? Well, it's brought people from, from thousands of miles away. It's been fantastic. It's been unbelievable. The traffic, the numbers of people. We're really honored to be here and honored that you folks joined us. It's a great honor. Well, I want to uh, thank you for taking the time to speak with us a uh, week with us. Uh, I want to ask you this, though. Is, uh, have the casinos been busy? They are packed. The whole town is packed. It's been a real boom to the town. It's been just a great thing and an unbelievable event. Everybody's excited. We're all enjoying ourselves. Well, and and, thank uh, you. I know I'm going to leave a, a few dollars in Atlantic City. Well, I hope so. Well, thanks again for uh, joining us. Uh, while the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and Hulk Hogan still have to worry about uh, winning, it appears that Donald J. Trump, Donald J. Trump already has. Now, uh, there are winners here as well. This capacity crowd thus far has gotten more than there's money's worth. Right now, let's go back to you, Gorilla. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I know it's just, you know, generic interview, but I figured it ruffles some feathers out there. And uh, we'll have a whole boatload of audio clips coming up in the future. But first, let's get through some WrestleMania results. First, we have WrestleMania Five that obviously took place in New Jersey at Trump Plaza. You know, the mega powers exploding. You know, for some reason, this event gets bad reviews over the years. I I don't know. I liked it. I mean, look, the segment with Roddy Piper and Brother Love and Morton Downey Jr., it was what it was. You know, I mean, it was kind of hokey. But still, I liked it. A lot of people may forget also during WrestleMania Five, they gave us the first ever exclusive preview of the upcoming movie, No Holds Barred. 
So that I remember as well. Anyway, Hercules over King Haku. The Twin Towers over the Rockers. Brutus Beefcake versus Ted DiBiase ended in a double countout. The Bushwaggers over the Fabulous Rougeos. Mr. Perfect over the Blue Blazer, who was obviously Owen Hart, God rest his soul. In a handicap match for the tag titles, Axe and Smash defeated the Powers of Pain and Mr. Fuji. Dino Bravo over Ronnie Garvin. The Brain Busters over Strike Force. That was the night where Rick Martell turned on his partner Tito, left the match, walked to the back. And I just remember the psychology of the Brain Busters, like walking gingerly in the ring that he's got no tag partner. I, I enjoyed that match tremendously. Jake the Snake Roberts over Andre the Giant by DQ. Big John Studd was the special guest referee. The Hard Foundation over Greg Valentine and the Honky Tonk Man. Ravishing Rick Rude over the Ultimate Warrior to win the Intercontinental title. That was the Ultimate Warrior's first pin, by the way. Bad News Brown uh, versus Hacksaw and Jim Duggan ended in a double disqualification. Rex, uh, Rex, the Red Rooster over Bobby Heenan with the Brooklyn Brawler in his corner. And in the main event, the Mega Powers explode. Hulk Hogan defeats Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm telling you, you look around and you, you know, and I'm a big fan of Meltzer's. I talk about that many times, but you look at Meltzer's site and readers and people over the years, they will shit on WrestleMania five quite a bit. I remember enjoying it. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. So it's a little weird sometimes how people, and I will also say, you know, you got to remember the time that we're talking about. We're talking about late 80s, okay? You didn't have internet. You didn't have streaming videos of New Japan and other feds. You had WCW, you had WWF, you had AWA, and you had your local indies. So how many big-time events were televised nationwide, worldwide for everybody to see? A couple, at most. So when you realized that there were so few big-time events to watch across the board. And there was a few, but the point is is that it's not like today where you can have 50 events air on TV during a calendar year, and that may even be on the low end, depending on what access you have. So there you go. WrestleMania six took place at the Sky Dome in Toronto, Canada. Now, you know, no disrespect to people, but if you do research over, you know, a lot of websites, you know, they always try to portray this match between Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior as a title unification match. And, you know, I understand people copy and paste things from other sites and everything, but when you actually take a step, and this is just my opinion, you take a step back and you think of the definition of unification, to me, when you have a unification match, that means two titles become one. And at that time, WWF had a rule that you were only allowed to have one title. That's the reason why Bob Backlund could not keep his tag titles against Pedro Morales. That's why others were only allowed to have one belt. So when the Ultimate Warrior defeated Hulk Hogan this night at WrestleMania six, I don't call it a unification match. Think about it. It's not a unification match because Ultimate Warrior, as a result of winning the title, he forfeited the IC championship. 
So it's not like both belts became one, but you know, it's just something that I see and I've read over the years repeatedly. And I'm like, you know, does anybody ever stop and think for themselves? But um, anyway, let's get into some match results, obviously. Paul Roma over the Brooklyn Brawler. Rick Martell over Coco Beware. Axe and Smash over the Colossal Connection, which was Andre and Haku. Anyway, it's a long time later the shows. Uh, knows the growing up Don Tony. One time when my father, who was a tri- triple degree black belt, even though he doesn't practice anymore. I mean, he's got two you know, fake knees now, and he's obviously up there in age. But I always joke that I did some massive misbehaving when I was younger. And if anybody ever remembers when Andre the Giant turned babyface and turned against Bobby Heenan this night at WrestleMania, they did uh, like a wide camera angle. And all you saw was Haku in like this karate position waiting for Andre to turn around so he could try to give him a karate kick. And I kid you not, one time way back in the day, I stole something. And I remember my father in almost the exact same position as Haku, ready to give me a karate kick right across the mouth. But uh, it was it was memorable this night. I mean, it really was. Absolutely loved WrestleMania 6. Earthquake over Hercules. Brutus Beefcake defeated Mr. Perfect. This was... Technically, Mr. Perfect's first loss in the WWF, first televised loss. Anybody that is a member of Breakfast Soup, you have on Patreon, you have heard me talk about in the past that Mr. Perfect had about 30 to 40 losses at house shows before WrestleMania 6. So even though it was advertised as his first televised loss. You know, they 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 really said first loss, but it, they had to go with televised because on the network, you could see Ultimate Warrior defeating him at Madison Square Garden. But I read on Breakfast Soup about 30 to 40 results over uh, a two-year span where Mr. Perfect lost as Mr. Perfect. And he lost to quite a few different people. Bad News Brown versus Roddy Piper ended it in a double countout. Roddy Piper, obviously, half blackface. You know, it is what it is. Heart Foundation over the Bolsheviks. Barbarian over Tito Santana. Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire over Queen Sherry and Randy Savage. Orient Express with Mr. Fuji over the Rockers by countout. Hacksaw Jim Duggan defeated Dino Bravo. Ted DiBiase defeated Jake Roberts by countout. Big Boss Man over Akeem, ravishing Rick Rude over Jimmy Snooker. And the main event, Ultimate Warrior, who was the IC champ at the time, defeating Hulk Hogan, who was the WWF champ at the time. As a result, Ultimate Warrior was your new WWF champion. He ended up having to relinquish the Intercontinental title. 1991, WWF and the Super World of Sports presented WrestleFest from Tokyo, Japan. 65,000 people were in attendance, and uh, they would have uh, a couple of co-promoted events around this time frame. Uh, I'd say about 10 to 15, I I, I think, if, if I do the research. But anyway, here's some match results you might find interesting. Kendo Nakasaki over Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Demolition over Shinichi Nakano and Sunji Takano. Hard Foundation over the Rockers. John Tenta over Koji Katayo. 
King Haku and Ted DiBiase over Takashi Ishikawa and the Great Kabuki. Ultimate Warrior over Sergeant Slaughter, Masakatsu Funaki over Naoki Sano. Texas Tornado over Mr. Perfect, Ishinriki, and Yoshiaki Yatsu over Jimmy Snooker and the Barbarian. Randy Savage over George Takano, and the Road Warriors over Genichiro Tenru and Hulk Hogan. It's a pretty damn good card. 1995. Pogo the Clown makes his pro wrestling debut. He wrestled under his real name, Joe Applebomber. He wrestled for APW in Moraga, California. And in his first match, he defeated Matt Heisen, who you know as Spike Dudley. And anybody that's followed me over the years knows, you know, when I was involved doing some work with XPW when they were here in the Northeast, one of the coolest people that I have always said repeatedly since 2002 that I ever came across was Pogo the Clown. One of the coolest guys at the time. If I remember correctly, he was a truck driver as well. But I remember hanging out in hotel rooms with him and just talking, talking, real life wrestling. It's just really, really cool guy. I mean, yeah, his gimmick was really, you know, controversial. And, you know, some of the matches weren't the greatest, but still. Guy was a good, good guy, so I have to show some love to Pogo the Clown. Same year, WrestleMania 11, Hartford Civic Center. You know, one of those WrestleManias that you don't hear as much as others, with the exception of one main event, which was Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam Bigelow. I have said it since the night it happened. I had no problem with Lawrence Taylor wrestling Bam Bam Bigelow, defeating Bam Bam Bigelow, I became friendly with Bam Bam Bigelow over the the last couple of years of his life through the Mass Maniac. Everybody knows the stories of me trying to sell the original ECW ring for Bam Bam and him wanting me to hock all of his memorabilia on eBay. And I swear to you, I know publicly you had to have a certain perception and certain appearance of saying things. Bam Bam Bigelow, I swear on a stack of Bibles, said nothing but good things about Lawrence Taylor. I mean, I don't think Bam Bam Bigelow was happy with, you know, WWF's decision of having this match, but Bam Bam Bigelow, really, I don't remember one bad thing that he said about LT. And LT gave him, you know, a helmet, jersey, you know, after this, it was personally inscribed to Bam Bam. And let me tell you something, I, I really had no issues with that match. And in my opinion, Lawrence Taylor wrestled the match like someone who is a football player who gets into the squared circle has. You know, you don't expect high-flying stuff. I mean, I know he did some stuff over the top rope, but it was a physical match. It wasn't great, but for that time, I had no issue with it. Anyway, the Allied Powers, Lex Luger and the British Bulldog over the Blue Brothers, Jacob and Eli Blue with Uncle Zebekiah. You remember who Uncle Zebekiah is? Go look it up. Razor Ramon with the one, two, three kid over Jeff Jarrett with the roadie by DQ. Undertaker over King Kong Bundy. Larry Young was a special guest referee. Owen Hart and Yokozuna defeated the Smoking Guns for the tag titles. Bret Hart over Bob Backlund in an I Quit match. Roddy Piper was a special guest referee. Diesel over Shawn Michaels uh, for the WWF Championship. And in the main event, Pat Patterson is a special guest referee. Lawrence Taylor defeated Bam Bam Bigelow. Again, I had no problem with this event at all. I really didn't. I just, I kind of, you know, I know Lawrence Taylor isn't the most liked person around. He's had some issues over the years, but, 
And yes, I'm a longtime Giants fan still. I know some people, ah, you see, but no, I still thought it was great. WrestleMania 12 took place this week as well at the Arrowhead Pond. Here's your match results. Body Don is over the Godwins. British Bulldog, Owen Hart, and Vader over Ahmed Johnson, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Yokozuna. Roddy Piper over Goldust. That was the Hollywood backlot brawl, and they did that chase to try to, you know, spoof OJ's chase. I, I fucking loved it. And that gold Cadillac that Goldust drove, I had that same Cadillac. That was a 1984. Well, that car was a Coupe de Ville. I had a 1984 Sedan de Ville. And for anybody that's going to ask, well, what's the difference between the two? The Coupe de Ville was two doors. Sedan de Ville was four doors. But uh, that car, even though it was a boat, I fu- that car is fucking mobile. I love that car. That's uh, that's. Don't be confused with the Cadillac that I used to hang out in Scumbag Alley. That was a 1978 Coupe de Ville. This car was an 84 that was involved in this match. Steve Austin over Savio Vega. Ultimate Warrior over Triple H. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I know Ultimate Warrior used to get so much heat because he no-sold the pedigree. The fuck out of here. Seriously. Undertaker over Diesel. And in the main event, Iron Man match for the WWF Heavyweight Championship. Shawn Michaels defeats Bret Hart 1-0 in a sudden death overtime. If you remember, they went to a draw, and I believe it was Gorilla Monsoon basically uh, extended the match further, and Shawn Michaels went on to win. This was the WrestleMania where Shawn Michaels made that epic entrance on the cable, and, you know, who could ever forget Vince McMahon's quote, the boyhood dream has come true? And also, if I remember correctly, didn't Shawn Michaels tell the referee, get him out of the ring? Because he wanted all the focus on him and Bret Hart was, you know, still in the ring and he put, you know, whatever. See, when I do these episodes, especially when I'm getting into so many WrestleMania match results, I'm not researching every little detail. If I remember tidbits as growing up being a wrestling fan, I will share it with everybody. But, you know, some things, you know, come to mind and I just that that I remember vividly. Now, good for Shawn Michaels. Him and Bret Hart have reconciled over the years. And Shawn Michaels, obviously, at that time, was going through some demons as well. He was a young guy. I mean, a lot of people are, are dicks when they're growing up. And then when they get older, you know, they, they, they balance out, in my opinion. So there should be no dissension on Shawn Michaels for that comment at that time. But I do remember that going down. Anyway, uh, just a little stipulation that I should remember to mention to all of you as well. The match, which was Camp Cornette, a Vader, Owen Hart, and a British Bulldog. If Yokozuna would have won, he would have gotten five minutes with Jim Cornette. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, Also in 1996, Sable makes her pro wrestling debut. She appeared as a valet for Hunter Hearst Helmsley at WrestleMania 12. And um, Ultimate Warriors match with Triple H that night, that was his first in the WWF since 1992. Just figured I'd share that. Also, uh, 1996, another wrestler made his pro wrestling debut, Prince Ayukea, the artist formerly known as Prince Ayukea. I've said this before. You want to hear a travesty? Go to WWF Network. Go listen to the entrance music that WWF has uh, edited over Prince, the artist formerly known as Prince Ayukea. And you think about all the times I've said on the shows 
that entrance music really needs to re- be a reflection on the character that it's portrayed for. And too many times you just have generic bullshit music for wrestlers. The theme music for the artist formerly known as Prince Iokea fit him perfectly because it sounded like music that Prince would have performed. And that was the whole gimmick of the artist formerly known as Prince Iokea. But you just listen to the music. It's like listening to some Sade music. And Sade, I talked about this recently. I had her first album. I used to fucking love Sade's music. I remember many times going to Scumbag Alley listening to Sade in the car and chilling. But to have some Sade-esque music for the artist formerly known as Prince I.A.K. in the WWE Network, the fuck out of here. Same year, 1996, Mick Foley makes his WWF in-ring debut as Mankind. It happened on Monday Night Raw. He defeated Bob Holly by submission. Later on in the night, he would lay out The Undertaker, thus starting the feud between Mankind and The Undertaker. It was only a couple of weeks ago where we talked about Mick Foley giving his retirement speech in ECW and leaving. Well, we now have him debuting WWF Monday Night Raw. 1998. Got a few audio clips to play for you for 1998 and 1999. Got a few I think you'll enjoy. First off, you got WrestleMania 14. To me, probably the turning point for WWF and the Monday Night Wars. Obviously, it still is only 1998, and it would take a little bit more time for WWF to really overtake WCW. But when you look at all of the pay-per-views leading up to it, yeah, you can argue WrestleMania 13, which we talked about last week because it, it did feature Bret Hart versus Steve Austin, and both you know characters changed as far as heel and babyface. But WrestleMania 14, I think, was really the point where they were going full-blown attitude in your face. And as I opened up with this show, Vince McMahon had this insane idea of having uh, Chris Warren and the DX band perform this new wave alternative version of the national anthem and America the Beautiful. I mean, piss poor, terrible, asinine, moronic, I honestly put this higher than Katie Vick as one of the stupidest decisions WWF ever made. You know, when we get a little bit later in this show about someone being fired in WWF because of the national, or WWE because of the national anthem, you know, this, there is no excuse for it. Vince McMahon and WWE have to be beyond thankful that this happened in 1998, not in 2008, not 2018. I mean, at that time, the internet was starting to explode, but nowhere on the level it is now. You didn't have MySpace. You didn't have Twitter. You didn't have a lot of social media. You had chat rooms and you had groups and blogs, but not to the level. But man, did they escape some Big time damage. And I'm surprised that people don't bring it up to this day as much as they possibly could. And one day in the near future, I will definitely whip out my WrestleMania 14 original VHS copy. I will digitize DX's national anthem and I will put it online. If anybody else ever does it, I will definitely post it in advance, but one day soon. But for now... The footage that is available online, I give to you DX in its entirety performing America the Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, would you all please rise? 
Here is the Degeneration X band, led by lead singer Chris Warren, to perform the alternative new wave version of the themes America the Beautiful and our national anthem. absolutely amazed at that unbelievable and there's a lot of people out there don't even know that it exists because like i said wwf did not include in a vhs did not include in a dvd not on digital they have taken it down all these pages youtube it's they've tried to bury that more than you can imagine so there you go a couple audio clips also for 1998 you know, I know this is not that big of a deal, but I thought it was pretty funny at that time. Me being a New York Mets fan, and obviously WrestleMania taking place in Boston, I don't think anybody realized the magnitude of the Red Sox at that time not being World Series champions. See, now younger fans, you've had a couple of World Series titles for the Red Sox. But in 1998, they were still dealing with the drought. And it was not that far removed from the 1975 World Series featuring the Red Sox versus the Cincinnati Reds. But I thought he did a fucking great performance when it happened. And I thought it was funny as hell. 1998, 
Who comes out to cut a promo on the Boston crowd? None other than Pete Rose. Obviously, WrestleMania 14 was much more than DX doing a horrendous rendition. Uh, And I want people to understand something. When I talk about how pathetic that was, keep in mind that I didn't even bring up 
the main event for WrestleMania 14. This was the night that Steve Austin won the World Heavyweight Championship from Shawn Michaels with Mike Tyson as the guest referee. So you keep in mind all of the added publicity because Mike Tyson was the special guest referee who was a major controversial figure at that time. All of the additional press from the sports world. just to, So when you really look at it in that aspect, it just blows me away that Vince thought that that would be a great idea to have D DX uh, perform that, that music, the DX band. So anyway, here are your match results from that night. LOD 2000 with Sonny won a battle royal. They became the new number one contenders for the WWF tag titles. Takabichinoku defeated Agula for the light heavyweight title. Triple H with China defeated Owen Hart for, uh, for the European Championship. In a mixed tag match, Mark Merrill and Sable defeated the artist formerly known as Goldust and Luna Vashan. For the IC Championship, The Rock with D'Lo Brown, Kamal Mustafa, and Mark Henry over Ken Shamrock by DQ. A dumpster match for the WWF tag titles. Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie defeated the New Age Outlaws. Undertaker over Kane. And in the main event, Mike Tyson is the special enforcer. Steve Austin over Shawn Michaels. The era of Stone Cold has begun. That week had much more than just WrestleMania, though. We had the fallout of Shawn Michaels losing the heavyweight championship to Steve Austin. And the next night on Raw and on Nitro, it would be memorable for a couple of reasons. Let's first get into Monday Night Raw, which is deserving. The next night, we had Triple H come out, cut a promo about how Shawn Michaels had dropped the ball, but Triple H was going to pick it up and he was going to lead D-Generation X to bigger and better things. Now, keep in mind at this time, you pretty much only had Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and China. But obviously, this week in 1998, the night after WrestleMania, all that would change. Well, we were wondering what big news Triple H has for us. Apparently, we're going to find out right here, right now, on the War Zone. Has there been a rip? Or is there a rip in the A lot can happen in 24 hours. Let's start with Mike Tyson. You know, I must have asked a thousand times, is he locked in? Is he with us? Is he a part of us? Are you sure? Is it sewn up? What I heard was, don't worry, kid. I got it covered. Don't sweat it. You worry too much. It's sewn up. Let me make the decisions. Well, you dropped the ball. But don't worry, HBK, because Triple H picked it up and now the ball is in my court I'll take
take care of the worries. I'll take care of the problems. And I'll make the decisions. Whoa. This is the genesis of D-Generation X. Tonight, live in front of the world, I form the DX Army, an army to take care of business that should have been taken care of right from the start. What's he saying, JR? And when you start an army, when you set out to do what no one else can do, the first thing you do is you look to your blood. You look to your buddies. You look to your friends. You look to the click. What? Yeah! Well, look who's back. my chest right now. Uh-oh. I heard Hulk Hogan come out on television saying I couldn't cut the mustard. Well, Hulk Hogan, you suck, pal. <laughs> so I don't think you have any room to talk about anybody cutting any kind of mustard. And Hulk, I got, I got some more advice for you. You better not stop short or Eric Bischoff will go so far up your ass, he'll know what you had for breakfast. Well, he's telling the truth so far. And now on to important matters at hand. I'm sitting at home, and I get a call from one of my best friends of my entire life, Triple H, and he says, DX needs your help. Well, damn it, Triple H, anytime you ever need anything from me, pal, you got it. And I got something else to say, Kevin Nash, 
and Scott Hall would be standing right here with us if they weren't being held hostage by World Championship Wrestling. And that's a fact, Eric Bischoff. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Well, things are getting out of hand here, right? You agree with that too, JR? Where's your DX t-shirt? So the way I see it right now, this is our new beginning for D-Generation X, and we're here to rip ass on the World Wrestling Federation. And it starts tonight! Well, this kid is full of P and V King. Oh yeah! By the way, I got two words for ya. Suck it! Yeah! Now, don't forget, later on that night, to close out Monday Night Raw, you had Chainsaw Charlie handcuffed to the cage. You had Mick Foley getting the shit knocked out of him. And the Road Dog and Billy Gunn, the New Age Outlaws, would join D-Generation X. And it was an infamous camera moment. You had Sean Waltman, the New Age Outlaws, and Triple H all standing at the top of the cage. I don't know if China was standing at the top of the cage as well, but they were all posing for the crowd. And at the end of that night, the complete D-Generation X group, the Army, was formed. Very memorable moment this week in 1998. Also in 1998, which I think is definitely noteworthy, we had a match take place on Monday Nitro. I love the segment. To the point where I even did a skit for USA Pro Wrestling in Queens, New York, when at that time that I was uh, not friendly with Low Life Louis Ramos, and I came out with a long, <laughs> I took computer paper and I just was stapling page after page after page. I didn't realize at the time I could have got that Doc Matrix paper and just had a like really big roll and just roll it out. But I did a little uh, tribute to Chris Jericho this night because on Nitro, he was in the midst of feuding with Dean Malenko. Chris Jericho had defeated Dean Malenko recently, and Dean Malenko at that time, the storyline was, was that he was going home. And this night in 1998 on Nitro, Chris Jericho was set to take on Marty Jannetty. But before the match, Chris Jericho had the following to say about Dean Malenko. You know what? I want to dedicate this match to the memory of Dean Malenko. You know, Dean, you let a lot of people down, a lot of people, including myself, down when you quit and went home after losing your match to me. You know, you aren't the first person to submit to the awesome power of the Lion Tamer, and you won't be the last, but you are the first that took your ball and went home. But Dean, you claim that you were trained by the best. Don't you think you've shamed your father's memory enough? He wasn't a quitter like you. Oh, he's got a line, guys. So I'm kissing you and your career goodbye, Dean, because like the song says, in a mbop, it's gone. Thank you. Umbop, it's gone. He's a member of the Hansons now. Well, thank you for the translation, Tony. I never heard that song. Of course you have it. No, nothing really noteworthy about, you know, that promo. Nothing famous about it. It was still entertaining. 
nonetheless. Well, it ends up that Chris Jericho goes on to beat Marty Jannetty in less than 90 seconds. And at that time, Marty Jannetty was getting a handful of wins for WCW. I think more on Thunder uh, than Nitro, but he was getting wins. Jericho beat him in about 90 seconds, and then right after the victory, this legendary moment in the career of Chris Jericho. Since I took care of Mr. Gennetti so quickly, I came prepared. Excuse me. Malenko, you claim to be the man of a thousand holes, but I counted, and you know about 60, but I know a thousand and four, and I wrote them all down. Here we go. Hold one, arm drag. Hold two, arm bar. Hold three, the moss-covered, three-handled family gradunzel. Why does he just mail us this list and we'll announce it? Bar. He's just ranting. Number five, the Saskatchewan spinning nerve hole. This must be meathead microphone night. You think so? Bar. He's got 998 to Number go. Nine. Get the hook, we're out of here. Star, Shut up. Press. Get a haircut. Number 10, right-handed punch. It, uh, we, we're back, fans. Hold number 712. Can we, arm bar. Can we physically get him out of the ring? I can. Yeah, but you've got to around. announce. I know you can. Hold number 714. The Canadian. It's time for our second hour of WCW Monday Night Raw. And ladies and gentlemen, do not forget that in the course of this telecast, one-on-one, Hollywood Hogan, Rowley Roddy Piper. And I'm not getting a seat. That explosion knocked my eardrum out. And, and that match will as well. Plus, Kevin Nash says you'll have a partner. Who will it be against the Tandem of Sting world champ and the total package Lex Luger? Can we get a kid to tell us when the bombs are going? We can take well, off these stupid headsets. At 23, wow. I'm starting to get blown up here. Yeah, boy, you're not getting along. number 723. He blew up a long Jericho time ago. Screwdriver. T- Oh, is he just going to stay in the ring? I mean, it, it, are we going to get some officials out to move him along? Still has several hundred more to go. That same week in 1998, The Rock officially became the leader of the Nation of Domination. And what I found funny that night, now look, everything always starts somewhere. But that night you had The Rock uh, do the people's eyebrow to D'Lo Brown, who was in the ring with the Nation of Domination. And if you listen to the commentary by Jim Ross that night, you know, the people's eyebrow was a signal. Like, The Rock did some signal with his eye. (laughs) And the Nation of Domination proceeded to beat up Ron Simmons. But it happened this... So the same night that D-Generation X expanded with X-Pac and the New Age Outlaws, you had The Rock join the Nation of Domination. So when you heard me say earlier about this WrestleMania really being the turning point as far as full-blown attitude and a turning point in the Monday Night Raws would obviously need to, you know, develop. You know, when you plant a really nice tree, you got to let the tree grow a little bit. It's not going to just happen in, you know, the split second. But I thought this week was very, very important. It's probably the biggest week in WWF's career as far as just building major stars and factions and storylines. Rock becoming the leader in the nation of domination. Um, Now, that same week, WCW presented one of their pay-per-listen events. I've talked about these in the past, 
This week, the event that took place was called Malice at the Palace. Happened in Tampa, Florida. This was a little less than a week after, I think, their most recent WCW pay-per-view. This uh, card had the following. Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Bubba the Love Sponge over the Texas Hangmen. Yeah, Bubba the Love Sponge before, you know, obviously. Hoovy and Kaz Hayashi over Psychosis and El Dandy. Ultimo Dragon over Chavito. Goldberg over Jerry Flynn. Diamond Dallas Page and Chris Benoit over Raven and Saturn. Ric Flair over Kurt Henning. Bret Hart over Brian Adams. Originally, it was supposed to be Randy Savage versus Bret Hart, but Randy Savage apparently had suffered, uh, suffered an ankle injury at the Saturday night tapings. And in the main event was Sting over Hulk Hogan in a steel cage. I think, uh, I think Big Bubba had come out during that and tried to interfere, if I remember correctly. Big boss man. So there you go. 1999, WrestleMania 15. And like I said, I'm trying to stay away from matches because when you start getting into big-time, memorable, landmark matches, you get into one, you got to get into many others. But, you know, one match that always stuck out for me this night for the wrong reasons was the finals of the brawl for it all. Bart Gunn versus Butterbean. And, you know, we I don't need to get into the whole history of the concept for Brawl for it all, but it was something different. And Bart Gunn, say what you want, you know, about the rest of the tournament. He did impress, but obviously at the end of the day, when you face people who are lifelong professionals in that type of boxing and fighting, you know, you may not be as good as you think you are. And uh, it, it was just a matter of, what, two minutes? And this whole tournament was over. But for people that may have never seen it or just want to relive some of the audio from it, here is the, uh, the fallout of Brawl for It All from WrestleMania 1999. Michael Cole and the fight doctor, Jerry the King Lawler here at ringside <laughs> as we get set for a Brawl for All. Folks, three one-minute rounds. You get points this way. If you knock down your opponent, 10 points. If you take down your opponent, five points. Most punches thrown in a round, you get five points as well. And we want to ask our judges to please keep your eyes open. We don't want one of those Holyfield Lewis decisions. So Butterbean says he's not a boxer, he's a fighter. And Bart Gunn, he's not a boxer at all. But he impressed everyone. And keep in mind, King, as you look at Vinny Pazienza, the special guest referee. And you get 10 for a big knockdown. Now fight hard and kick some ass. Can't keep in mind, Bart Gunn has a deadly left hand. Oh, without a doubt. Why they call him the hammer? We're going to be keeping score, folks, in each round. Unofficial results. We've got judges at ringside. Chuck Wetner, Kevin Rooney, Gorilla Monsoon. Here we go, round one, brawl for all. Butterbean and Bart Gunn. And Butterbean with a stiff left to start things off. There's a left by Bart Gunn. What do you give the edge to in this one, King? Well... I'm gonna tell you, I think without a doubt, probably Butter. Ooh, whoa! Oh. Did you see that? Both of these guys got right. right hand and a knockdown of Bart Gunn early on. Butterbean caught Bart Gunn with a hard right hand. 300 pounds of power behind him. Seven. And keep in mind, Butterbean. If I were you, Bart, I'd go for a takedown. Take 27 down. seconds left.
out of Fart Gun. Countless people over the years have said, you know, could what the hell happened to Bart Gunn's career after this debacle with Butterbean and this, this, and that? I'll do a 180 on that. I ask everybody out there, how big do you think Bart Gunn's career would have been if he would have beaten Butterbean or if he would have put on a phenomenal performance? And for those that are going to ask me and say, hey, DT, what do you think? Uh, you know, Bart Gunn, would he have been heavyweight champion? No. I mean, he was never in that, you know, that aspect. Would he have been IC champ? Who knows? But Bart Gunn, you know, I always thought he was probably at his best as part of the Smoking Guns. And even with the Smoking Guns, I wasn't all that thrilled with that tag team. But uh, Bart Gunn, look, you know, he's a, a memorable moment in history. You know, not for the greatest of reason, but... Give that guy credit for stepping in the ring and trying. And I really mean that. Now, earlier, I mentioned in 1998, a year before, we had Pete Rose cut a promo on the Boston crowd and was tombstoned by Kane. Well, one year later, Kane was coming out for his match, and then this happened. Another tombstone to Pete Rose. <laughs> Revenge backfired for the former 
Match results. WrestleMania 15, Jacqueline with Terry Reynolds in a corner over Ivory. D'Lo Brown and Test won a battle royal to become the number one contenders for the tag titles. Later on, on WrestleMania, they would go on to lose in a match between Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart. Hardcore Holly won a triple threat hardcore match for the hardcore championship over Al Snow and Billy Gunn. Bart Gunn loses to Butterbean, which I played moments ago. Mankind over Big Show by disqualification. Now, the stipulation for this was the winner would go on to referee the WWF title match between The Rock and Steve Austin. But because of the injuries that Mankind would face during this in his match, he was unable to, and he was replaced by Vince McMahon. Shawn Michaels, being the commissioner at the time, reversed the decision and decided to just have two regular referees referee the match, which was Mike Kyoto uh, and Tim White, during that main event match, both referees were laid out. Vince McMahon would hit the ring and try to actually referee the match, but Mankind, d- despite the injuries, ultimately came out, and Mankind would count the pin for the winner in the main event, which we'll get into in a moment. Road, Road Dog over Goldust with the Blue Meanie and Ryan Shamrock. Uh, Ken Shamrock and Val Venus in a Four Corners elimination match for the IC Championship. Kane with China in his corner over Triple H by DQ. Sable over Ninja Tory. I always use Ninja Tory because people might think I'm talking about a different Tory uh, for the WWF Women's title. This match was kind of eh. I mean, you go watch it, it's eh. Later on in this match, I remember Nicole Bess made her debut for WWF. For the European Championship, Shane McMahon with Test in his corner over X-Pac. Hell in a Cell match, Undertaker over the big boss man. And as you will see in my synopsis, a moment I think WWF would really prefer to forget. They simulated that the big boss man was hung in the middle of the ring and his lifeless body was just hanging. It was just a really weird, uh, hokey, dumb moment, in my opinion. But a really good main event to close out WrestleMania had Steve Austin defeating The Rock. It was a no-DQ match for the WWF title. Ultimately, like I said, Mankind would count the pin. 2000, we obviously had WrestleMania 2000. But before I get into that, a couple other tidbits. On SmackDown that week, we had Stephanie defeating Jacqueline for the Women's Championship. And people have pointed it out over the years that Stephanie was the third McMahon in slightly over a year to win a championship. You had Shane McMahon winning the European title in February of 99. And you have Vince McMahon uh, for a very brief time uh, reigning as WWF champ in September of 1999. That same week on Monday Nitro, uh, we had the infamous match. I don't know if you all remember it, where you had Vampiro facing Ric Flair in the ring and outside the ring on the beach, you had Sting fighting Lex Luger. And almost simultaneously, you had Vampiro pinning Ric Flair in the ring and Sting pinning Lex Luger while he was underwater. Uh, now, look, when I say underwater, there might have been, what, three inches of water? I mean, it, where where the water was is where you're basically getting your feet wet as, like, when the tide, the wave comes in and it, like, you know, the wave hits your feet and it goes back out. Well, the wave had come in, the tide, and it hit 
them too, and Lex Luger for brief times underwater. Uh, I think Sting gave him a pile driver into the sand. It, it was what it was. I mean, it was hearing the girls in the background yelling and screaming was a little bit fucking annoying. But uh, that same night, uh, you know, this was the last Nitro before the return of Eric Bischoff and Vince Russo doing this big-time reboot of WCW Storyline. So, obviously, we will be talking about that next week. And, you know, it doesn't get its due, but I have to shout them out because a lot of people may not be aware of this. But it was this week, back in 2000, that a certain website was launched. And it's a website that I honestly think that this word should be in a wrestling dictionary. WrestleCrap. It was a website basically making fun of all the horrendous things in wrestling. I know we have Botchamania now, but back in the year 2000, WrestleCrap.com was born. And believe it or not, I have on an old hard drive a ton of old WrestleCrap stuff from their website. From photos to articles to satires, I got a boatload of stuff saved on a hard, on an, uh, an external hard drive from the year 2000. And maybe, you know, in the near future, I will upload that stuff. And believe me, anybody that's a longtime listener knows when I make a claim to something or if I say I have something, I always prove it. So WrestleCrap was definitely uh, a, a, so much fun <laughs> just to have at that time. If you remember, it actually sparked me to buy um, a domain and I had the website in development and I pussied out at the last minute. Anybody remember when I was going to launch UglyDivas.com? And we were going to have, I think, Nydia and someone else is like the poster. You can't call a poster boy, the poster girl of the website. But then I kind of felt, you know, I'm a man, you know, I'm more, I'm very respectful towards women. And I don't know, maybe because I was just growing up. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to do it. And I never launched it. But that website, if you had any idea how far in development that was, uglydivas.com. I'll tell you one thing that I was really worried about at the time. There weren't a lot of photos of certain women that we wanted to feature outside of what you saw on TV. And I was petrified of posting photos that would be accused of copyright infringement because they're from a WWE event or a WCW event or wherever it is. So when you take all that away, you know, the whole idea was to post photos where people did not look really all that attractive. But I know in the we are in now, it's kind of like, you know, that's fucked up, Don Tony. Yeah, it was a fucked up. That's why I didn't launch it. I almost did. I came very close to, and I will admit I was inspired by WrestleCrap. So there you go. WrestleMania 2000 happened this week as well. This was billed as Mick Foley's last match because he was going to retire from in-ring competition. Results from this night, Big Boss Man and Bull Buchanan over the Godfather and D'Lo Brown with iced tea in their corner. I don't mean the drink. Hardcore Battle Royal for the WWF Hardcore title. Uh, Hardcore Holly wins by defeating Crash, Crash Holly in the end. Tag match TNA, Testin Albert with Trish Stratus over Head Cheese, Al Snow and Steve Blackman with Chester McCheeserton in their corner. One of the all-time favorite WrestleMania matches took place on this card. Uh, it really was. The triangle ladder match for the tag titles. Edge and Christian over the Dudleys and the Hardys. 
absolutely phenomenal. And really, I mean, it just stole the show, in my opinion. Terry Reynolds with Mula in her corner over the cat with Mae Young in hers. This was a cat fight with Val Venus as a special guest referee. Six-person intergender tag match, China and Too Cool. Uh, over the Radicals, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, and Perry Saturn. Uh, the triple threat match for the Intercontinental and European Championships. You had first Chris Benoit defeating Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle to win the IC Championship. And then you had Jericho defeating Benoit and Angle for the European Championship. Kane and Rikishi over Road Dogg and X-Pac. And in the main event, four-way elimination match for the WWF Championship Triple H, Over the Rock, Mick Foley, and The Big Show. 2001, Paraguayo lost a hair versus max match against Universal Dos Mil. It happened at CMLL in La Arena, Mexico. And speaking of Universal Dos Mil, this week in 2007, he also lost a hair versus hair match. It was also for CMLL, and he lost to Michael Corleone, who you all remember as Mark Jindrak. We had also this week the finalization of the purchase of WCW by the WWF. And it was this week in 2001, a week after the purchase, that the entire staff of WCW were informed. It's not funny, but they were informed that they were being laid off, that their uh, services were no longer needed. And there's been stories floating around for years now that uh, a lot of staff were not allowed to go back into the building to get their personal belongings. The WWF was fearful that some people would destroy property, damage property, steal stuff, you know, because they quit. And look, I know that may sound a little bit extreme, no pun intended, but how many of you out there, let's be honest, who have gotten terminated over the years or fired from a job, it's the same thing, you got terminated from a job, and they don't even give you the opportunity to clear out your desk. You know, they escort you out the building and they say that somebody will mail you your possessions. So, you know, it may sound a little bit cold on the surface, but I honestly don't blame WWF for doing that. So I figured I'd just share that with everybody. Uh, the same day, they announced that Mean Gene Oakland and Bobby Heenan would be returning at WrestleMania 17. And obviously, we know that they came back for the gimmick battle royal, which was definitely a highlight of WrestleMania 17. Now, you got to remember, you know, I think a lot of people forget this, that WrestleMania 17 happened one week after WCW went out of business. So in a matter of two weeks leading up to WrestleMania, Vince McMahon buys WCW, WCW goes off the air. It's a pretty big freaking deal. So, we have WrestleMania 17, 2001. Here are your match results. X-Factor, Just Incredible and X-Pac with Albert. And I used to like that group. I used to, I used to like the theme song. I, I remember so many people telling me how they hated the theme song. I don't know. That was one of my favorite theme songs during that era. I kid you not. Anyway, they defeated Grandmaster Sex A and Steve Blackman. For the IC Championship, Chris Jericho over William Regal. Taz and the APA over the right to censor. Triple threat hardcore match for the hardcore title, Kane over Raven and the Big Show. For the European Championship, Eddie Guerrero over Test. Kurt Angle over Chris Benoit. For the Women's Championship, China over Ivory. 
a street fight with Mick Foley as the special guest referee, Shane McMahon, over Mr. McMahon, who had Stephanie and Trish in his corner. TLC match for the tag titles, Edge and Christian over the Dudleys and the Hardys. Uh, another outstanding, absolutely phenomenal match. You know, the difference between this one, obviously, and last year is we now have Rhino in the corner of Edge and Christian. Um, I mean, still, I mean, the, the matches that they had in WrestleMania were just, just so memorable and, you know, just some of the greatest of all time, honestly. Gimmick Battle Royal, Iron Sheik won that, and I remember he couldn't even move around. And you realize how many years later this is now? God bless him that he is still around. Undertaker over Triple H, and in the main event, one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time, Steve Austin defeating The Rock, a no-DQ match for the WWF Championship. And I notice how people really, of all the WrestleManias that we cover this week, I go on social media and I see people you know, reminiscing about WrestleManias from years past. And I know WrestleMania 1 gets a lot of publicity. WrestleMania 3 gets a lot of publicity when you go back and look at the annals of history. But as far as wrestling fans go, 17 seems to be the one that stands out more than anything. It really does as far as the amount of people who comment about it. Like they just can't believe it's been this many years since, you know, Steve Austin versus The Rock at WrestleMania 17. And just, I see that. I mean, it seems like wrestlers, people in the business, retro sites, old school fans, news outlets, they seem to focus more on one and three. But as far as regular wrestling fans go, 17 easily is talked about probably more than any others for this week in wrestling history. Now we jump to 2003 and we definitely have some audio clips to share with you and not wrestlemania the night or two after but first we got to get into wrestlemania that went down it was wrestlemania 19 from seattle washington obviously the biggest buzz coming out of this event was the main event of brock lesnar defeating kurt angle that shooting star press that went awry for Brock Lesnar. I mean, you remember it. I don't need to get into that any further. I mean, you know, thank God that this guy didn't suffer a major neck injury. But let me get into the full card results from that night. For the World Tag Team Championship, Chief Morley and Lance Storm with Bubba Ray and Devon in their corner over Kane and Rob Van Dam. For the Cruiserweight title, Matt Hardy over Rey Mysterio. Handicap match, Undertaker over Big Show and A-Train. Triple threat match for the Women's Championship, Trish Stratus over Victoria and Jazz. A triple threat match for the tag titles, WWE tag titles. Team Angle, Haas and Benjamin over Chris Benoit and Rhino and Los Guerreros. Shawn Michaels over Chris Jericho. For the World Heavyweight Championship, Triple H with Ric Flair in his corner over Booker T. Street Fight, Hulk Hogan over Mr. McMahon and my original synopsis pick, I had Mr. McMahon, that evil look. Remember when his face was all bloody and he was underneath the ring and he very slowly stuck his head above that ring? Great visual. But obviously, so many memorable moments in his history. I had to really pick and choose who I wanted to put in the synopsis and I ended up removing his bloody mug from that synopsis pick. But still a memorable moment this night. You had The Rock defeat Steve Austin in a singles match. And in the main event, as I said earlier, Brock Lesnar defeating Kurt Angle uh, to win the heavyweight championship. Now, a couple audio clips. They both took place on Monday Night Raw. 
Now, I, I want to stress to everyone that what you're about to hear is actually real. At the time, we thought it was storyline. We thought it was exaggeration, but it ended up we learned that what was being said was 100% real. And this was the firing of Steve Austin by Eric Bischoff. Now, I want to clarify one thing. No, I'm not saying that Eric Bischoff firing Steve Austin is real. But what you hear about the medical ailments, the anxiety, the spinal issues, it ended up it was true. So Steve Austin retired because of these injuries. So you realize how close these memorable matches with Steve Austin and The Rock were to, boom, retired and done. This is how it went down on Monday Night Raw this week in 2003. I'm going to say something right now that's hard for Stone Cold Steve Austin to say, but you've got to admit, whether it's been four-letter words or middle fingers, I've always been very, very honest since I've been in the WWE. Last night, I went to WrestleMania with a 2-0 record against The Rock. 2-0. Stone Cold 2. Rock 0. Last night, The Rock was the better man. Stone Cold Steve Austin laying in the middle of this ring. A rock on top. One, two, three. Last night, basically, Stone Cold got his ass whipped. That doesn't make me happy to say that, but that's kind of what happened. That being said, since I'm saying that The Rock was the better man last night, don't mean that he's going to be the better man tonight. Wait a minute. Tonight? So... Since it is Rock Appreciation Night, I can appreciate that. I'd like to appreciate him right here in my ring. So, Rock, if you're back here, and I figure you are since it's Rock Appreciation Night, I'd like you to come out here just so I can shake your hand. I want to shake your hand and say that, hey, you were the better man last night. So if you come on out here, I appreciate you. Not very much, but I appreciate you. So come on out here. I'd like to shake your hand. Don't do it, Rock. Look, 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 Eric's I know, got his come on, on. Get your makeup and all the other stuff ready. It's Rock Appreciation Night. Come on out here. Let me shake your damn head. No, Stone Cold's ready for action. Don't close it. Don't close it. Fight the tire. But wait a minute. This is not The Rock. No, it's not. Far from it, it is Raw General Manager Eric Bischoff. Steve, you don't want to shake The Rock's hand. You want to kick The Rock's ass for beating you last night. Right. Exactly right. See, I know you, Steve Austin, and you're a vengeful bastard. Whoa. Vengeful bastard. You're right. You want to do whatever you can to make sure Rock doesn't make it to his appreciation night tonight. Wait a minute, folks. Give him a chance. Well, I've got news for you, Steve Austin. You're not going to be kicking the rock's ass tonight. As a matter of fact, Steve, you're not going to be kicking anybody's ass anytime. What? What's he mean by that? No idea. Look at that look. See, I know you're a little secret, Steve. Secret? I know... What you've been trying to hide. Uh Uh-oh. Isn't it true 
that you spent the night before WrestleMania at Harborview Hospital right here in Seattle? Hospital? Now, there was a little rumor floating around that it was some sort of anxiety attack. So I had my lawyers do some checking. And as it turns out, there's a lot more wrong with Steve Austin than just his personality. What you talking about? In fact, according to your own doctors, Steve, what's he got in his hand? And I quote, from your previous surgery, you have a solid fusion of your cervical vertebrae at C3 and 4. But this record goes on to state that you now have a cervical spondylosis at C6 and C7, even greater than C5 and C6. You have a kyphotic spinal deformity at C6 and 7, Steve. Your cervical cord is all screwed up. And in the past several months, you have been experiencing increasing clonus reflex in your lower extremities. Now, I'm not sure what all that means, Steve, except your personal physician goes on to state, and I quote once again, without qualifications, I told Mr. Austin that he is at high risk for sustaining additional, perhaps devastating injury to the cervical spinal cord in his line of work, and I quote one last time, therefore, I will not clear Steve Austin to wrestle at this time. That's from Austin's doctor? His own personal physician? Well, first of all, I don't appreciate you digging up my personal information. And I'll tell you right now, and why don't you come to the ring so I can tell you this to your face? Oh, don't make that mistake. I said, why don't you come to the ring so I can tell you this to your face? Steve, I think I'm fine right here. Yeah, shut Thank up. You, hey, I, I'm going to tell you like this, and this is the bottom line. If I want to step in this ring and wrestle, beat somebody's ass, raise hell, do whatever I want to do, that's exactly what's going to happen. And ain't a damn thing you or no stupid doctor can do about it. Oh, Steve. He's going against doctor's orders? I beg to differ, Steve. An idiot. You see, you've left me with no other choice. As a matter of fact, you're a liability to this company. Therefore, due to medical reasons, Steve, your position has been terminated. What? In other words, Steve Austin, you're fired. No, is he kidding? There's a lot of things you can do, you son of a bitch, but you can't fire me. Oh, no, I can't fire you, Steve. You see, I'm the general manager of Raw. Remember that? And as a matter of fact, a FedEx copy of your termination notice is on its way to your home in Texas as we speak, Steve. So make no mistake about it. You're fired.
can't believe this. This is unbelievable. I, I, I can't. Can he, can he fire Stone Cold Steve Austin? It's kind of interesting when you go back and you think of this night in 2003. Because as Steve Austin was exiting, someone else made their debut for WWF. It happened at the end of Monday Night Raw, and it was a confrontation with The Rock. Finally, The Rock has come back to see. Yeah. No. To see. Adam? No. To see all you jabronis show appreciation to the great one. Yes. to Stone Cold Steve Austin. I am really, really sorry you got fired and you got terminated tonight. I, I, I actually think that absolutely sucks. CJR? Because I'll tell you what, in all honesty, in all honesty, Stone Cold, you and The Rock put on a hell of a performance last night at WrestleMania. Yes, applaud. A hell of a performance. You gave The Rock everything you had. I gave you everything I had. We made it a classic. I want you to know I have nothing but much respect and much love for you. Thank you. Now, how magnanimous is that of the great one? He's huge. That is BS. You know, I was thinking, I mean, mean... a damn word he said. What? I mean, I, I know if you thought it was going to be your last match, you wouldn't have expected... You, I'm sure you wouldn't have wanted to go out like, like the way you did with <laughs> one rock bottom. <laughs> Two rock bottom. Count them, JR. Three rock bottom. One, two, three. Wow. But, uh, you know, and here's the thing. I figure if you're going to get beat, Steve, it goes like this. Who better than to get beat by than the absolute greatest the wrestling industry has ever seen? Well, he's got a good point there, JR. There's no shame in losing to The Rock. Austin doesn't have to hang his head and cry. He loves it when they chant his name. I like that. The Rock likes that. The Rock likes that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, since this is Rock Appreciation Night, The Rock could go on and talk about his accomplishments and all that. So, what The Rock. What The Rock wants you to do, he made this very special for you. The Rock just wants you to, The Rock just, don't give The Rock the finger. He'll come out and whip that candy ass just like that. Who's giving The Rock the finger? Who's doing that? Get the security. Go ahead, champ. Okay, 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 Rock appreciates that. The Rock appreciates that, but I really got something important to say. Now, check this out. I mean, now, after what I did, after what I did at WrestleMania, you know, the fact of the matter is this. I left, I went to Hollywood, I came back. And then, I came back and I get booed. That was bad. 
like the cool just because you know the Rock's accountant, Ira Goldberg, okay? <laughs> Tax season, that's cool, no problem. But listen, The Rock has now beaten Austin, beaten Hogan, Triple H, The Undertaker, Kurt Angle, everyone. Now, there's nothing left for The Rock. And the fact of the matter is this. I went, I came back. You booed me, you did not appreciate me, and seeing as this is Rock Appreciation Night, The Rock came back for you, you booed me. So now, at 30 years old, The Rock has done it all. He now says, it's over. What? Wait oh a minute. yeah, the most electrifying man entertaining all of you. It's over. You don't appreciate The Rock, so this is the last time you will ever see the jabroni beaten. No. In the future, the present, the past, because I come to entertain you, you don't appreciate the rock, you can all kiss the people's ass. Look what these idiots have done. The rock's gonna leave us. Shut don't move. And another thing, how about this? Listen to this. The rock will tell you this. The rock will tell you this right now. next, eh? Oh, no! You're next! What? Oh, oh that's the Goldberg! Goldberg taking the hell of Goldberg just speared the rock! Goldberg is to the rock! Is the next victim! Spear! The rock is next, says Goldberg! Yeah. The rock can't believe it! The rock may have just seen his future in the eyes of Goldberg! I can't believe it! Rock! Rock 
Take that swing. You know what a lot of people don't realize when you look back at this? A month later, The Rock's full-time career as a wrestler was also over. So when you realize in a matter of a couple of years, Steve Austin retired and The Rock no longer was a full-time wrestler, went to Hollywood. So big deal this week in 2003. 2004, Neville makes his pro wrestling debut. He wrestled for IWF in Newcastle, uh, England, under the name Pac. In his debut match, he lost against assassin Brian Bell. 2006, WrestleMania 22 from the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. The biggest hype leading into this WrestleMania was the feud between John Cena and Triple H. You might remember a couple of episodes ago, I played the promo where Triple H talked about John Cena not being a great wrestler. Well, they ended up having a tournament in the month of February that would determine who would be the number one contender for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania 22. And obviously, it would lead to them two having a match at this WrestleMania. Here's your results very quickly. Uh, Viscera won a battle royal. Big Show and Kane over Carlito and Chris Masters for the World Tech Team Championship. Money in the Bank ladder match. Mr. Monday Night, Rob Van Dam over Lashley, Finley, Mark Henry, Shelton Benjamin, and Ric Flair. For the United States Championship, JBL over Chris Benoit. Hardcore match, Edge with Lita over Mick Foley. Handicap match, Boogeyman over Booker T and Charmel. For the Women's Championship, Mickey James over Trish Stratus. Casket match, The Undertaker over Mark Henry. In an old bar match, Shawn Michaels over Mr. McMahon. Triple threat match for the World Heavyweight Championship, Rey Mysterio over Randy Orton and Kurt Angle. Tori Wilson over Candice Michelle in a Playboy pillow fight. And in the main event, singles match for the WWE Championship, John Cena over Triple H. WrestleMania 23, one year later. This took place at Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. Probably one of the more memorable WrestleManias, obviously, because of... uh, a certain match that took place, with, which would lead to Vince McMahon being shaved bald by Donald Trump. Card that night, a lumberjack match, Carlito and Ric Flair over Chavito and her, uh, Gregory Helms. Money in a Bank ladder match, Mr. Kennedy over CM Punk, Matt Hardy, Randy Orton, King Booker, Jeff Hardy, Finley, and Edge. Great Kali over Kane for the United States Championship. Chris Benoit over MVP for the World Heavyweight Championship. The Undertaker over Batista. In an eight-man tag team match, the ECW Originals, which were RVD, Sabu, Tommy Dreamer, and the Sandman. Over the new breed, Marcus Corvan, Matt Stryker, Kevin Thorne, and Elijah Burke. They had Shelly Martinez in their corner. Hair versus hair match with Steve Austin as the guest referee. You know, you always read results. Donald Trump defeats Vince McMahon. It was actually Bobby Lashley over Umaga. And as a result, Vince McMahon would be shaved bald. Uh, Lumberjill match for the women's championship. Molina over Ashley. And in the main event for the WWE championship, John Cena over Shawn Michaels. WrestleMania 24 in Orlando, Florida at the Florida Citrus Bowl. Such an emotional night as far as wrestling goes, seriously. I mean, you know, we've had career matches take place over the years. And yes, I know Ric Flair kind of bastardized and cheapened 
this retirement match by competing in TNA. Yeah, I have learned over the years that when your entire life is pro wrestling, that you can't just, you know, sometimes leave the ring and be able to deal with it. I mean, I don't want to sound morbid, but what would you have rather of him had? Not be able to wrestle anywhere else and fucking get depressed and, you know, get to the point where he kills himself because of depression that he can't compete. Ric Flair, up until, you know, recent health issues, always thought he could still cut it in the ring. So, honestly, this still remains a very emotional night as a fan for me and a lot of others. And this was the the, the match where Shawn Michaels defeated Ric Flair in a career-threatening match. And, uh, it, you know, I noticed a little, you know, I don't want to say it's a pattern, but something I was thinking about over the weekend, and I'm going to share it on the DTKC show, but anybody see where it's kind of like, so we always hear how somebody passes the torch, but doesn't it feel like there's like a little bit of a chain happening now with retirement? So what I mean by that is this, and I could just be coincidence, but just something that I was thinking about that I really have never read anywhere else. I really haven't. I haven't read it anywhere else. And, you know, you let me know if you've read it anywhere else. And don't just say, yeah, I read it somewhere else. No, if you read it somewhere else, show me what where it was said. But is WWE, did they create some type of a chain as far as retirement matches go? What I mean by that is this. Shawn Michaels retired Ric Flair. Undertaker retired Shawn Michaels. Could it be that John Cena now is retiring Undertaker? which means someone else is going to retire John C. You see where I'm going? It seems like it's a chain that might be developing here. And again, it could be just coincidental. It's just yours truly's mind running wild. I'm always, you know, trying to like think outside the box, but you know, let me know what you think. It's just something I thought about that might be really interesting. So anyway, here is your match results that night. Battle Royal to determine the number one contendership for the ECW championship. Kane won the Battle Royal. JBL over Finley in a Belfast brawl. Money in the Bank ladder match. CM Punk defeats Chris Jericho, Morrison, Carlito, Kennedy, MVP, and Shelton Benjamin. Batista over Umaga. As I mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, Kane over Chavito for the ECW Championship. 11 seconds. I said earlier it was 10. It's actually 11. Shawn Michaels over Ric Flair. Obviously, with this loss, Ric Flair was to retire. I will get into some audio in a moment. A Playboy Bunny Mania Lumberjill match. Bet Phoenix and Molina over Maria and Ashley. And I should note, this was the last ever uh, involvement by Playboy with WWE because uh, WWE was now going to be PG. They were getting away from all the Playboy stuff. Anyway, getting back to the card results. Randy Orton over John Cena and Triple H for the WWE Championship. No DQ match. Floyd Mayweather Jr. over the Big Show. I think it was by knockout. And for the World Heavyweight title, Undertaker over Edge by submission. Now, obviously, this was a very emotional night. I remember the Flair family sitting at ringside crying. And I'm going to play a couple of clips of Ric Flair's retirement speech on Raw. You know, the problem with playing... All the footage of this is that a lot of the clip was Triple H coming out and introducing people from Ric Flair's past. 
And when you have entrance themes playing for 30, 45 seconds, maybe a little bit longer sometimes, and all that's happening is Ric Flair hugging someone in the ring, if I were to include all of that also, you would have about 20 minutes of just entrance themes and crowd chants. So basically what I'm going to share with everyone here is what Ric Flair said at the very beginning and the uh, moments after when Triple H first entered the ring to show some love and appreciation from Ric Flair. I wrestled my very last match at WrestleMania. I will never, ever wrestle in this ring again. Please, please. I, I, I'm not sad about not wrestling. You shouldn't be sad about the fact that you're not going to see me out here. You should rejoice in the fact that I have had the greatest wrestling career in the history of pro wrestling. And last night, even though I lost, I lost to a great, great, great wrestler and a better man. Rejoice in the fact that I have wrestled in front of more fans, raised more hell, had more fun, and loved all of you every day of my life. I swear to God, I've been teared up all day long with the thought of not being able to come out here anymore, but I'm off. I'm off. And I'm in a good place. And I love you. Please, let me thank you. I want to thank you for the memories. Thank you for the support. And most of all, thank you all for making me who I am today.
If you think these people here in Orlando are the only ones that want to say thank you, if you think that the millions of people watching on TV are the only ones that want to say thank you, Well then, my friend, you've got another thing coming. Because I just, I had to come out here and I had to tell you something from the bottom of my heart. I love you, man. And thank you. Thank you. For those who may never have seen it or just don't remember or curious, the following were those who came out to acknowledge and appreciate Ric Flair and to thank him, and this is in order. Triple H, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, J.J. Dillon, Barry Windham, Batista, Ricky Steamboat, Harley Race, who was escorted to the ring by Mickey James and Michelle McCool. They were both emotional as well. Greg Nama Valentine, and it was nice to hear the, the size pop that he got from the crowd at that time. Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho, John Cena, then you had the Flair family, Tiffany, Megan, David, Reed, and Ashley, who you now know as Charlotte. Shawn Michaels would enter the ring. And then Triple H would bring out the rest of the roster. A huge thank you, Rick chant breaks out. We go off the air as far as Monday Night Raw goes, but the ceremony still continues. Everyone leaves the ring for Ric Flair by himself. Undertaker's music hits. He comes out, shares an emotional moment with Ric Flair. He leaves. Vince comes out. And I'm telling you, I know some people might think I'm nuts when I say this, but I've been watching wrestling since 79. And I'm going to say something now that you probably haven't heard anywhere else. This moment of Vince coming out, hugging Ric Flair, even Vince outside the ring, a few moments later, I have never, ever, ever seen Vince McMahon smile that much for that long. Watch the footage. Watch when he hits the ring, hugs Rick, talks to Rick outside the ring. I have never seen Vince McMahon smile that much for that long, ever. I mean, there's moments where, Rick, where Vince has smiled and, you know, just watch it. That's all I'm going to say. Just watch it. I don't think you'll disagree with me. So anyway, Vince leaves the ring. Um, Ric Flair gives another big hug to his family. He takes his jacket off, gives it one last elbow drop, a knee drop. And he also shows off the watch that Shawn Michaels bought him. They both ha uh, had same watches. And that was it. That was Ric Flair's retirement speech. Very, very emotional. And uh, But we're not done with retirement speeches because we have one coming up momentarily. Now, before I get to 2009, I got to share this. 
because it was a big deal at the time, and I kind of feel bad for the guy, but I don't. And if you pay attention to Rory's interviews over the years especially, he's changed his tune a little bit. But it was this week in 2008 that TNA presented their first ever live episode of Impact on TV. Didn't go head-to-head with WWE, but it was still, it was their first ever live Impact. And while we're watching it, on television, we see sitting in the audience current WWE star Robbie McAllister. They listed his name on the camera as Derek Graham Couch. That's his real name. And he was shown on camera. And, you know, moments later, you didn't see him anymore. I mean, they didn't keep panning the camera on him, but now you see him and now you don't. Basically, what had happened was as soon as WWE realized that the guy was shown on television and actually acknowledged by TNA, a WWE official, I don't want to say who it is because it's been disputed over the years, called Robbie McAllister and told him, leave that fucking building right now. And not only did he leave the building, he lost his $5,000 WrestleMania bonus. And a few months later, he lost his WWE career. Now, like I said, Rory has done interviews over the years, to me, more than Robbie has. And Rory, you know, when you first listened to the interviews right after they got released, you know, he played off that, you know, he didn't realize, you know, what he was doing and, you know, he just wanted to go and he had friends there and blah, 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 blah. And then as the years go by, now it was that Rory knew he was going, that Robbie knew he was going to be on the hard camera. He knew that Impact would exploit it, but they weren't being used well and blah, 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 blah. So the bottom line is, is that, you know, look what happened to their careers after. I mean, don't get me wrong. Robbie is involved, I think, with his own wrestling promotion now. He's got a Facebook page. He looks like he's doing well, but they never were on the level of uh, what they were in WWE. And yes, I'm not going to lie. You listen to our early episodes of the Don, Tony, and Kevin Cashel at that time. The Highlanders were never any of our favorites. I'm Robbie. I'm Rory. We did not like it. And there's a reason why they didn't get a tremendous push. It didn't go over that well with the crowd. I mean, they did have its fan following, but not on the level that you would have thought it would have been. And, you know, for a while, I kind of put the Ascension in the same category as the Highlanders. But it was this week in 2008 that, to me, Robbie McAllister just made a very dumb decision. Sits on the hard camera side during the first ever live edition of Impact. 2009, Taz leaves WWE. His contract expired. And even though his contract expired, he offered to work WrestleMania 25 But WWE said, no thanks. If you're not under contract, we don't want you. And that was it. Taz never came back. 2010, WrestleMania 26. People have noted over the years, this was the first WrestleMania since WrestleMania 11 that did not have a title match close out the show. Interesting. Um, Oh, We'll get into some audio clips in a moment from uh, 2010. I got two to share with everybody. First, uh, the the particulars from Glendale, Arizona, WrestleMania 26. We have another retirement. And as I said earlier with the the chain, we first had Shawn Michaels retiring Ric Flair. This event would have The Undertaker retiring Shawn Michaels. But let me get into the other card results first. The Battle Royal, Yoshitatsu won a Battle Royal. 
tag team match for the unified WWE Tag Team Championship. Show Miz, which was Big Show Miz over Morrison and R-Truth. Triple threat match, Randy Orton over Cody Rhodes and Ted DiBiase. Money in the Bank ladder match, Jack Swagger over Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Evan Bourne, Kane, Kofi Kingston, Christian, Matt Hardy, MVP, and Shelton Benjamin. Triple H over Sheamus. Rey Mysterio over CM Punk, who had the Straight Edge Society with him. No Hold Bards Lumberjack match with Bruce Hart as the special guest referee, Bruce uh, Bret Hart over Mr. McMahon. Singles match for the World Heavyweight Championship, Chris Jericho over Edge. Tag team Diva, 10 Diva tag team match, excuse me, 10, 10 tag team. That'd be 20 people in the ring. 10 Diva tag match, five on five. Alicia Fox, Layla, Maris, Michelle McCool, and Vicky over Beth Phoenix, Eve Torres, Gail Kim, Kelly Kelly, and Mickey James. For the WWE Championship, John Cena over Batista, and in the main event, Undertaker defeating Shawn Michaels. No DQ match uh, is the streak versus the career. As a result of this match, Shawn Michaels was forced to retire. And he has stuck to his retirement. Over the years, a lot of us thought maybe he'll have one match. Maybe he'll just get physically involved here and there. And I'm not just talking the Aaron Superkick. I thought, you know, maybe a tag match or something. No, he is stuck to it. And a lot of people forget that the night after WrestleMania, when Shawn Michaels cut his retirement speech, it was head-to-head with Impact. TNA was on Monday nights, and that night after WrestleMania, Raw scored a 3.7 rating, and Impact only scored a 0.62. And let me tell you something. I guarantee you that Anthem would fucking have an erection and maybe even an orgasm if they could score a 0.62 rating right now. That just shows you how drastic you know, viewership has declined for impact over the last bunch of years. But enough of me talking. I present to you in its entirety, Shawn Michaels announcing his retirement from the ring. Very emotional and very enjoyable. I don't really know what it is I'm going to say to you tonight. Um, I, uh, You know, when I was 19 years old, I started doing this stuff, and uh, at 23, I started coming in to each and every one of your homes every week, and the idea of now being 44 and, I don't know, not... uh, Not coming into your homes on that TV set every week is going to be... It's going to be a little tough to get used to. Um, Thank you, Sean. 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 Thank you, Sean.
You know something? I appreciate you saying thank you, but I have to tell you something. I have to thank you because... You all may not understand this, but for the longest time, this ring and all of you was the only thing I had in my life. It was the only place that I ever felt good about me. And night in and night out, you guys were the only ones in the world that ever made me like me. <laughs> and You know, I would, I would like to, you know, there's so many people I'd like to thank, but I'm so afraid of doing that for fear I'm going to forget somebody. But I'm just going to, there's one guy, you know, Hunter. I gotta, I gotta thank Hunter for being my friend when absolutely nobody else in the world wanted to touch me. Um, there are a lot of people that didn't like me many, many years ago. Um, I was not an easy person to be around. And, and Hunter, buddy, you never once left my side. And... You know, in this line of work, I mean, it's, it's a tough line of work, and everybody talks about how it's tough to have real friendships, and it is. But I tell you, Hunter, I thank you so much for the real friendship that I have been able to share with you for the last 16 years. And another one, um, and this is really going to sound strange to you guys, but... There's a whole lot of people in those big old trucks out back. There are these guys here holding the camera. Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler, and of course, the greatest announcer of all time, Jim Ross. But I want to thank I want to thank all you guys. You guys, um, you guys always made me look so much better than I ever really was, and I so appreciate that. Um, and there is a uh, there's a crazy redheaded kid in Stamford, Connecticut, that I also have to thank. Uh, he, you know, he, his name is Adam, and he is the guy that puts together so much of the videos that you've seen of me over the years. And I'm telling you, he's the most talented boy I've ever met. And Adam, thank you for making me look like a superstar. And then of course, the <laughs>
You know, can I tell you something? I, um, you know, I know, I know how a lot of people feel about career-ending matches, and and I know that there are a lot of people that are going to be skeptical of my decision, and I understand that. But I, I do want to tell you, I don't. I think about it, but I don't want to. I don't want to go back on my word to you. I don't want to go back on my word to the Undertaker. And for 20 plus years, I have I have done my best to be a pretty open book in front of all of you. I don't hide a lot from you when I come out here because it's just easier for me to be who I am. Um, and I don't, uh, I want to honor my word to you. I want to honor my word to you. I want to honor my word to The Undertaker. So I appreciate the one more match, but I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that doesn't happen. gotta thank and I gotta thank Bret Hart I cannot tell you how much back in the 90s I drove that poor guy crazy and everything he's ever said about me you know he had every right to say it and I want to thank him for forgiving me, for understanding, accepting, and believing that I knew that I made the mistakes, I was changed, and I would forever honor his friendship if he'd ever take the chance and give it back to me. And I thank him for giving me that opportunity. And then there's Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Now, I honestly don't know if I get in trouble for mentioning his name or not, but I'm going to anyway. It's my farewell speech, and I'll say what I want to say. But there is absolutely no way I could work for anybody else. After you have worked under that crazy son of a gun for 20 plus years, there's no way I'll be able to do a regular gig ever again. I gotta thank him for his patience with me because the only guy I drove more crazy than Bret Hart was Vince McMahon. You know, and I know that he, he gave me the opportunity here to do what I love to do. But I have to tell you, I've got to thank him for not allowing me to make even bigger mistakes that I made. 
I was on a, uh, I was on a crash course going nowhere. And I know sometimes it was ugly, but I tell you, if that guy had not kept me on course, I would not be here today. So Vince, thanks for putting up with me, man. And last but not least, there is each and every one of you. travel all over the world. I have got to meet millions of people. I have got to listen to each and every one of you for the majority of my life. I have spent more of my adult life with each and every one of you than I have my own family. And I tell you, I don't, I don't say that with regrets. I thank you all so much for giving me the honor and the privilege to come out here and let me show off in front of you every night of my life. Savior Jesus Christ, I thank you, my King, for saving me. And to Rebecca, Cheyenne, and Cameron, baby's daddy's coming home. This is how we started, and this is how we're going to end. Ladies and gentlemen, the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, has left the building. on that week on SmackDown, another championship changed hands. Now, let me just paint the picture. Chris Jericho had defeated Edge at WrestleMania. Chris Jericho had come out, cut a speech bragging about his win. Edge would then come out and demand another match with Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho says no, and this went down. I want a rematch for the World Heavyweight Championship, and I want it right now.
Is that what you want, Edge? Is that what all of all of you want? You want to see that? Huh? Problem is, I don't care what you want. You don't hold the cards, Edge. I'm the champion. You had your chance at WrestleMania, and you lost. So the way that the champ sees it, that puts you at the back of the line. Because you're a loser. Just like all of them, you're a loser. And nothing you say or do will change that loser. So if you know what's good for you, before I tear that Achilles one more time, I'm telling you, get out of my ring now. boiling over right now and there's the injured ribs of Jericho as a result of a spear off the announce table at Wrestlemania we've seen this look before Matt listen to the WWE Universe come alive for Edge can Edge do what he could not do at WrestleMania, will we see it? Spear! 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 The World Heavyweight Champions, first night back on SmackDown, not off to a good start. Get out of my ring now! Some would say Edge has every right to that ring as well, including the Rated-R Superstar himself. All the frustration from this past Sunday comes out right here and right now. What a way to kick off the first SmackDown after WrestleMania. Once again, Edge's spear proves fatal. Oh, it's, it's Jack Swagger, the Money in the Bank ladder match winner. Inside that briefcase is a contract for a championship match at any time, and Jericho's out, Todd. Get a rep out here right now. I'm cashing in my money. In the oh, bank yeah. Bank. Jack almost did it on Raw. Yeah. He's called for a referee. Jack Swagger is cashing in his contract right now. The Bank of the All-American American is open, and it's cash deposits only. Where's the referee? Here he comes! The this, real big deal! We're gonna have this now! Awesome! This is it! The World Heavyweight Championship is on the line! The contract is being cashed in! This is gonna be for the World Heavyweight Championship! Swaggering like a cage lion right now! He can't wait! Ring the bell, he says! The official has to clear the ring for the safety of the competitors, but man, does Jericho even realize Swagger is in the ring? Swagger is having a fit! This is his moment. Swagger looking for his first world title. Swagger endured nine other superstars to capture the money in the bank contract. And now it's on. Here we go. The moment of a lifetime. Swagger setting up. Hook it. Gun round. This is it. Jack Swagger for the cover. One, two, three. We have a new world heavyweight champion. Unbelievable. 
even though it's not wrestling related, she is now a quote unquote WWE superstar. So it's, I think it's only right to mention it. This week in 2011, Ronda Rousey makes her MMA debut. She defeats, I apologize if I'm getting the first name wrong, was it Edion or Edion Gomes in 25 seconds for round one of uh, King of the Champions turning point in Los Angeles, California. She got paid 800 bucks for that match. 400 for fighting, 400 for winning. Now, earlier I played that debacle from D-Generation X butchering America the Beautiful. Well, it was this week in 2011 that uh, Fit Finley, Dave Finley, was fired from WWE because of something that The Miz did at a house show in Champaign, Illinois. Basically what happened is WWE had a house show in Illinois and the national anthem was being played and to get additional heat, The Miz interrupted it. National Guard, who was a big WWE sponsor, and even if they weren't, they did not uh, like this at all. They were very irate and pissed off. Representatives in the National Guard contacted WWE. There was uh, a lot of buzz online about it. And uh, they demanded some type of repercussions as a result, and WWE fired Finley. Now, Finley would return to WWE a little less than a year and a half later. But still, you know, it was just a really dumb situation. Didn't need to happen. And Miz has been very apologetic over the years. There's no remaining heat from it. And uh, look, Finley has returned to WWE since then. He was hired in July of 2012, but still something that was absolutely not needed uh, at that time. I mean, Miz was so over as a heel as it is. Interrupting the national anthem was just unnecessary. 2012, Will Ospreay makes his pro wrestling debut. He wrestles under the name Doc Britannico at Brit West Fest, London, England. He was involved in the four-way match for the Lucha Britannia title. He lost. Uh, he was uh, defeated along with Santeria and Metallico. They lost to Leon Britannico. 2012 also, Legacy Talent, the agency representing Ric Flair, confirms in a press release that Ric Flair will be attending the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony even though he was contracted to TNA at that time. And I remember it was kind of odd and weird the way it went down, especially all of the uh, disgruntledness towards Ric Flair for going against his retirement match. But hey, again, like I said earlier, you know, wrestling is all you know and all you want to do and all you ever wanted to do. It's not as easy to just turn it off. Sometimes, you know, a health issue or something else forces you into retirement but it was still cool to see him return to the WWE Hall of Fame, um, you know, with the Four Horsemen. And just an interesting moment in history. 2012, Matt Bloom, A-Train, makes his WWE return after an eight-year absence. He comes back as Lord Tenzai, and Lord, did it suck. It was a shame. I mean... We have uh, episodes of the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle show and Breakfast of Blossy when it when he first came back as this. And, man, it just never went over. Never did. I mean, it, it started to feel like it was turning a corner when he teamed up with Brodus Clay, who you now know as Tyrus. But for the most part, it was a big disaster. Speaking of disasters that year, WWE originally renowned, uh, announces that Randy Orton is going to be in the third installment of the Marine but because Randy Orton had a dishonorable discharge, uh, they decided against it. 
And the interesting thing about it was a WWE representative who uh, talked to TMZ at the time issued this following quote. WWE demonstrated poor judgment in signing Randy Orton for the third installment of the film. Despite Randy's popularity, the fact that he was dishonorably discharged from the United States Marine Corps made it inappropriate for him to be casted in this film. So kudos for WWE for you know changing their mind, but you know, just like the announcing Moolah for the Battle Royal. I mean, how do you, with a clear mind, I understand it's a movie and it's entertainment and it's not real, but how do you take someone that's been you know, dishonorably discharged and think that you could throw this person into, uh, you know, a Marine movie. I, I, I don't understand the logic of that. So now we get to WrestleMania 27, and I got another audio clip coming up that I know for a fact you will all enjoy tremendously. It's a moment that I remember, you know, people saying that they got goosebumps when it went down, and it's not that long ago. First, your match results from WrestleMania. Triple threat match for the WWE Tag Titles, Primo and Epico with Rosa Mendez over Justin Gabriel and Tyson Kidd, as well as the Usos. Uh, for the World Heavyweight Championship, Sheamus over Daniel Bryan in 18 seconds. Match I said earlier pissed off a lot of people. Singles match, Kane over Randy Orton for the Intercontinental Championship. Big show over Cody Rhodes. Tag match, Kelly Kelly and Maria Menounos. Menounos, Menounos. I always say Menounos, but it's Menounos over Beth Phoenix and Eve Torres. Hell in a Cell match, Undertaker over Triple H. Shawn Michaels is a special guest referee who could ever forget the hug that they had at the very end, all three walking out together. 12-man tag match to determine the general manager of both Raw and SmackDown. Team Johnny, consisting of David Otunga, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Jack Swagger, Mark Henry, and The Miz. Over Team Teddy, Booker T, Kofi Kingston, Kali, R-Truth, Santino Morella, and Zack Ryder. For the WWE Championship, stipulation of CM Punk would have been disqualified. He would have lost the title. He defeated Chris Jericho. And in the main event, obviously the feud that we've been playing lots of sound bites and clips from over the past bunch of episodes, The Rock over John Cena. Following night, a Monday Night Raw John Cena cut the following promo and was interrupted by a very memorable return. I never thought of losing. But now that it's happened, the only thing to do is to do it right. That is the obligation to those who believe in me. We all take defeats in life. Those are famous words from the great Muhammad Ali. Now tonight you guys have seen various clips of various things that I've said on this road to WrestleMania. And I'll be quite honest, I've talked. I've talked a lot. I've talked so much that anybody else in my shoes right now be making excuses, backtracking, saying that it wasn't their fault. That is not me, that will never be me. I meant every single thing that I said. I meant it then, 
I mean it now. There is not one second in the year-long build-up to WrestleMania that I ever thought that I was going to lose. Because if you think like that, then my friend, you have already lost. No one goes undefeated in life. And a true champion retains the will to win even through their most disappointing loss. Now with that being said, there was a lot of speculation on how I'd react to all of this. Would I be a person to come out here and make excuses? Would I be a person to come out here and lash out at my opponents? that I am actually here to call out The Rock. I am not here to call out The Rock. Because when you call someone out, you want to fight. The Rock and I have been calling each other out for a year, and we settled it last night. I know y'all are having fun tonight. I say we have one more moment of celebration for Miami, Florida's own Dwayne Johnson right in the middle of this ring. Dwayne, on a personal note, and I know you're watching, this past year has been exhausting. We let it all out on the line physically and oftentimes way over the line verbally. Understand the excitement in the air, but I put my heart and soul into last night. And to be quite honest, I came up short. The Rock was the better man. 
Yes, 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 yes. Daniel Bryan, you owe me one. I personally respect Dwayne Johnson. This is why I love Raw. All kidding aside, I just want one second to publicly acknowledge that The Rock was the better man at WrestleMania, and I would really like to congratulate him on his victory. In 2015 this week, we had WrestleMania 31, and we had a couple of interesting notes uh, the following night on Raw. But first, let me get into the match results. Fatal 4-Way for the tag titles, Tyson Kidd and Cesaro over Los Matadores and the Usos. 
30-man battle royal for the first ever Andre the Giant Memorial Trophy. Big Show uh, won that one by eliminating Miz Dow at the very end. We thought Damian Sandow was going to win that, but he didn't. And honestly, I think it was appropriate. Didn't they talk about it at that time it was the first ever battle royal Big Show had ever won? I think so. Ladder match for the IC Championship. Daniel Bryan defeats Dean Ambrose, Dolph Ziggler, Stardust, Luke Harper, R-Truth, and Bad News Barrett. Randy Orton over Seth Rollins. Uh, in an OTQ match, Triple H over Sting. Tag match, AJ Lee and Paige over the Bellas. For the United States Championship, John Cena over Rusev. Singles match, Undertaker over Bray Wyatt. And in the main event, originally it was Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Where have I heard that before? For the heavyweight championship. Uh, but... We had Seth Rollins, who had the Money in the Bank briefcase, uh, interrupt the match, cash in, and Seth Rollins would go on to win the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, the night after WrestleMania, we had two debuts on a main roster in a retirement. First off, Callisto uh, made his Raw debut. He was involved in a tag match that featured him, Sin Cara, Kofi Kingston and Big E, Cesaro and Tyson Kidd, Connor and Victor of the Ascension. That same night, Neville made his main roster debut. He was the NXT champion at the time. He defeated Curtis Axel in a little less than a minute and a half. And I think Curtis Axel was still doing Axel Mania at that time. But a retirement that we didn't even know was happening at that time. Following on a row, we had AJ Lee, Paige, and Naomi defeat the Bellas and Natalia. And this ended up being AJ Lee's last match in the WWE. She announced a retirement at the end of this week in 2015. So I think some people uh, are very surprised at that. Uh, we also had another issue go down. At the SmackDown taping, Sheamus defeated Daniel Bryan by countout. Now, I think a lot of you will, will obviously remember this match, number one, because it didn't happen too long ago, and number two, because you know Daniel Bryan, with all the news of his return to the ring, this was the match where Bad News Barrett was outside the ring and attacked Daniel Bryan. And there's been um, allegations and claims over the years that Daniel Bryan suffered seizures at the end of this match. And because of his injuries, he would later on forfeit his uh, Intercontinental Championship that he won at WrestleMania 31. So it was this week in 2015 that we had you know, the beginning of the end of Daniel Bryan's in-ring career at that time. Um, the footage is online. I, I, You know, there's been disputes over the years if he actually had a seizure or not. Just thank God for the time being that Daniel Bryan's health is good. And I think that's probably the most important thing. This week in 2016, we had the final Raw leading into WrestleMania 32. A couple of things went down this week that are very noteworthy. First off, WWE announces that following WrestleMania 32, which will be covered on next week's episode, the Divas title will be no longer, and it will be replaced with women's title. They also announced that WrestleMania 32 will be the last for Brie Bella as she is announcing her retirement. We also had this week in 2016 NXT TakeOver Dallas Shinsuke over Sami Zayn. This was Shinsuke's debut in NXT. It was Sami Zayn's last match in NXT because he would be brought up to the main roster. And another match that went on that night that I know our patrons will remember especially, Finn Balor uh, retained the NXT championship by defeating Samoa Joe. 
And the reason why I mentioned Patreon is because last year we gave away three replica NXT championship titles that were autographed not only by Finn Balor, but Finn Balor noted this night at NXT TakeOver Dallas. He actually wrote down the event name, date, defeating Samoa Joe, what the match was for. It was a re really cool prizes that we gave away. And, you know, cheap plug. If you haven't been there already, give it a shot. Patreon.com slash Don Tony. Not only do you help support these shows and, you know, keep the lights on and the bills paid for as little as five bucks, you get access to every Patreon exclusive show that we have done so far over there. I mean, when you think of all the shows we've done there, there's over 130 episodes, 120 episodes. You got lost episodes in the Minority Report. We have contests there, giveaways, predictions contests. You get it all for five bucks. So when you hear me do these little plugs and you know, the cool thing about that page and I say this repeatedly, you're not going to sign up there and be amongst 10,000 people. So when you take part in a contest, like fuck, I got to compete with 10,000 other people. No, there's only about four to 500, you know, friends there. So it's a very tight knit group. And, you know, you know, in reality, it is a little kind of sad when you realize, you know, we get over 150,000 downloads a week and only about 500 of those sign up. But I will never force anybody to join the page. All I'm saying is, is if you sign up, not only will you help us keep the bills paid and keep everything free that we offer. But, you know, we also give you Patreon exclusive shows and lots of contests there to win some really, really cool things. So anyway, there you go. Uh, something else went down this week in 2016. It was a disaster. It may not have come off as that big of a deal on camera, but for WWE, they were taken back by this. Now, what it basically went down is they were going to have, which we'll cover next week because it happens in the time frame of next week, they were going to have a, a match at WrestleMania involving the women. And it was incorporated with Total Divas that, you know, is featured on television. And a woman that was heavily involved in Total Divas was Eva Marie. So as a lead-in to WrestleMania and the hype of the women, Total Divas at Mania, they had a match on Raw. And originally, you had five on four. Lana, Tamina, Naomi, Emma, and Summer Rae versus Natty, Alicia Fox, Paige, and Brie Bella. And they decided to have the fifth woman of Team Natty come out on her own, entrance music and all. And if you've read the reports and listened to some interviews over the years, WWE was convinced that this person would get a great pop, actually have a little bit of momentum in the ring. People would pop for it because this person would show that she has ability and it would be a nice little momentum leading into WrestleMania. As you will hear in the audio, WWE was beyond wrong in how they thought the crowd would react to this person's, I guess you could call it debut. I don't know what you could call it. Staying above the fray in the ring. Wanted to save his place right now in a, in a weird way. It's kind of picked the spots where she wanted to enter the fight. Meanwhile, Tamina and Italian. Smart lady. Taking out each other here at ringside. Well, look who's here. Eva 
Lavery, of course, is on the show, Total Divas, but not exactly a warm response. Uh, you no, know, not at all. Look at this. But they're all Total Divas. Not only did they boo her out of the building, you can't wrestle. It, it just it went over like a wet fart. It was just horrendous. It was terrible. And finally, for this episode, we got 2017, WrestleMania 33. Main event, Roman Reigns versus The Undertaker. Look, I'm not going to reiterate what we just talked about. It felt like yesterday. Undertaker, there was moments that you just were cringed about. I mean, it was very emotional at the end when he left his in-ring gear his jacket, his hat, his gloves in the middle of the ring. And we thought that was the end of The Undertaker. So as I've been saying for about six or seven months after that, that if Undertaker returns, I expect that outfit to remain retired and he will come back as one of his other gimmicks. And it looks like that's the case. But still, we go back to WrestleMania and, you know, just you kind of felt like, okay, Undertaker, enough is enough. But here are the match results from WrestleMania 33. For the Cruiserweight title, one of my two favorite matches of the night. I mean, top two was, this was number two. Neville over Austin Aries for the Cruiserweight Championship. It didn't even make the WrestleMania DVD or Blu-ray. I think it might, I don't know if it made the Blu-ray, but it didn't make the DVD. That I know for sure. Mojo Rawley winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Dean Ambrose over Baron Corbin for the IC Championship. AJ Styles versus Shane McMahon, which for some reason I thought it was my favorite of the night. Maybe a tie with Kevin Owens over Chris Jericho. Bailey over Charlotte. Nia Jax and Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship. For the Raw Tag Team Championship, the Hardys making their surprise return. Not only winning the match, but winning the titles, defeating Sheamus and Cesaro, Enzo and Kaz, Gallows and Anderson. John Cena and Nikki over Miz and Maurice. After the match, John Cena proposes to Nikki Bella. She says yes. Seth Rollins over Triple H, which, if you remember, was a non-sanctioned match. For the WWE Championship, Randy Orton over Bray Wyatt. And all I remember from that match was the Viper being afraid of photos of, what, bugs in the middle of the ring? Photos! Oh, you got to listen to our WrestleMania recap from that one. I was That was good. Singles match for the Universal Championship. Brock Lesnar over Goldberg. Six-pack challenge for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Naomi over Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Carmella, Mickey James, and Natty. And in the main event, as I said earlier, Roman Reigns over The Undertaker in a no-holds-barred match. A lot of shit covered this week. Obviously, it's the biggest week as far as WrestleMania history is concerned. Yeah, there are a couple of WrestleManias to get into next week, but probably less than one-third compared to this week. This week is a huge week as far as WrestleMania history goes. So I hope you enjoyed it. And like I said, I purposely went out of my way to stay away from the legendary matches to play audio highlights from because if you leave out some or if you bring up one you got to bring up the other and i was having a difficult time just figuring out what to use as synopsis for this week so i hope you enjoyed it notable birthdays this week first those who are celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us mighty atlas referee dick worley otto von heller 
hard-boiled Haggerty, Tony Garibaldi, Sweet Hansen, Kurt Henning, Special Delivery Jones, Umaga, and Georgiana Acropolis. Georgiana, I miss you tremendously. What a wonderful woman, and she was so instrumental in helping me with that drive for Conan's kidney transplant. You have no idea how hard that woman worked to help me with that. Happy birthday, Ronnie Garvin, turned 73. Referee Danny Davis turned 62. Brickhouse Brown and Mike Rotunda turned 60. Michael P.S. Hayes turns 59. Octagon turns 57. The Warlord turns 56. Kenta Kobashi and Ruckus turn 51. Rick Fuller, 49. AC Jazz from the Nitro Girls turns 47. Charlie Haas, 46. Skulu, 45. Rory McAllister, Tomko, and Naoki Matsushita turn 42. Allison Danger turns 41. Ultimo Gradiador turns 40. Goldilocks, 39. Randy Orton, Jody Fleisch, and Nick Bondo turn 38. Jack Evans, Dixie, and Layla Milani turn 36. I mean, I include Layla. I wasn't, but uh, whatever. Zach Allen turns 35. SoCal Val and Mustafa Ali turns 32. Trent Beretta turns 31. Jesse Sorensen turns 29. And happy birthday, Sawyer Fulton, who turns 28. Notable deaths this week in history. We lost Bill Kerr this week at age 89. Little Brutus at age 72. Jim Crockett Sr. at 63. Victor Quinones died at age 46. Canyon passed away at age 40. Chris Travis, 32. Reed Flair tragically died at 25. And Stinky, the homeless guy, died at age 23. If you never heard of Stinky, the homeless guy, go search it. He actually had a, a nice little following. Very, very sad what happened to him. With that said, I am done with this week in wrestling history. Loaded. Loaded. Follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD, the website DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony at DonTony.com. The Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash DTKC show. If you want to hear the archives of all of our shows, DonTonyKevinCastle.com. And once again, if you like what we do, you want to help support the show, keep us in business, keep the lights on, visit our Patreon page. It is Patreon.com slash DonTony. Very much appreciated. So I am out of here. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I will return once again next week with episode 14. Definitely leave your feedback. Much appreciated. And I bid you farewell. Enjoy the rest of the week. And I'll catch you all again soon. Ciao. Hello, this is Discover. And we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter. And you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. Snow falls on an old apartment. Inside, the holiday season is in swing. On the first floor, Cokes are poured and stories shared among friends. Three flights up, one generation passes down the family recipe to the next. Inside every home, there's magic. Coca-Cola. Real magic. Enjoy the real magic of the season with close friends, family, and refreshing Coca-Cola paired with all your holiday meals.